What's up, goons? We got a great episode. It's episode 27. No, it's a goon. I'm your host, Chris from Brooklyn. We had a great interview with Eliza Orleans at the end of this. She's a sex-positive candidate for Manhattan DA. She's going to usher in the whoring 20s. I'm positive. You know who that is. That is uh, my stalwart producer, Michael Harrington. He's going to be performing slam poetry in just a bit. But I want to talk a little bit more about the interview with Eliza. She's going to help me in a little teaser. Stick, stay to the end of the interview or just fast forward to the end of the interview if you want. I don't care. She's going to help me out with a great business in the future. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We'll talk more about that next week. I'll be uh, honest. I wasn't here for the interview. I want to listen to this interview now. I mean, you should listen to the interview because it was a good interview and she's got a lot to say. Uh, she wants to decriminalize sex work completely and legalize drugs in New York City. Now, if anything will bring about the whoring 20s, which is what you want, Mike. Nah, honestly, at this point now, I just want to marry her. Mm. She is very cute. She was also on Survivor and The Amazing Race. We didn't talk much about that because uh, if you like those shows, you're a loser. Mm. Yeah, but she's gorgeous. She's sex positive and she's down with drugs. I just... And she's got she's got and a, she's got a good job. Like marry me. She's yeah, she works in the DA's office, you know. She's got she's got reality TV money. They brought her back for fan favorites on Survivor. She's about to have her own DA's office. I told her I had to I was like I was like, yeah, I had to learn about I, I was like I knew more about she was very surprised after talking to me for five minutes that I uh I knew a lot more about the sex, the sex worker positivity movement around the world. I knew about it in Scandinavia, and she was just, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know anything about Survivor." And I think that's, I think that surprised her a little bit. I mean, Survivor's lame, but what's good with these whores in Sweden? Well, that's the thing. We talk a little bit in the interview. Um, I had said that this was a terror, and she agreed with me. They have this law in Sweden where it's decriminalized to be a prostitute, but they still aggressively prosecute Johns. Right, and uh, that's stupid. It's well, one of these weird laws where it's like, this is good for the women. It was like, well, except for the fact that uh, the guys, first of all, they probably have to suck cock longer because it's harder to relax when you think you might get arrested at any given time. Mm-hmm. And you just, you're literally just not, like, if sex work's completely decriminalized, you might have a few nicer men. Just going to throw that out there. Maybe. I mean, I don't know, dude. I kind of like the idea of like, all right, you want to go, you want to go two time on your wife? You want to go risk a disease out here in these streets? She was all for that. She didn't want to regulate it at all. She literally was like, I don't want to even make these bitches get tested. What? You got to tune into the interview. She's all pretty right. eloquent about it. All right. All right. Well, listen, dude. I, I trust. I know I'll be sticking around after this part to listen to that interview. And you're going to put the timestamp in the uh, description of I, the episode on iTunes, correct? I've done it for the last couple of interviews because right. that's what the people wanted. That's what the people get. You know why? So you have a stalwart producer on your hands. You know, it's funny that you keep using that word stalwart. Now, we, we, we've established what that word means. Can you just remind the people uh-huh. what the word stalwart means, Mike? Because uh, you are, you're here, you're here, you're a very good producer. I think you do a, a bang-up job on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Thursday, I was doing a stand-up show. <laughs> now, I don't typically like to bring this sort of thing to the show. But uh, I was doing stand-up at this, there's an outdoor cafe called Joey Bats. It's well-heated. Uh, it was my first time I got up since I was in Jersey with Lewis. What's the definition of stalwart, Mike? That would be loyal, hardworking, and I already got rid of it, so I gotta run that back. Why would again. you? Why would you do that? Because I didn't think you were loyal, reliable, and hardworking. Okay, loyal, reliable, and hardworking. You are reliably kind of a jackass. <laughs> now, okay, that's the way you want to play this. Um, now, 
Uh, this girl named, uh, I'm not going to say the girl's name. This is a girl who runs a show. You should say her name because I'm mad she's not following me back on Instagram. Uh, do you follow her on Instagram? <laughs> Immediately after. She, uh, <laughs> now I don't really, I was a little drunk. I'm not going to lie. I was, uh, I was drinking with somebody who may be our future intern is my buddy, uh, Gabe, who is a, uh, Iraq war veteran who's a little shell shocked. And he's a very, uh, I would say, he was a bartender. Uh, the bar he worked at closed, and he needs something to do. He's uh-huh. uh, currently day trading game stonks, <laughs> and uh, uh, has not much to do. And I like drinking with him, so he may. I think he may become our intern. He's definitely killed children <laughs> in the war, um, and I feel like that's the kind of intern we need to keep you on your toes, Mike. Makes sense. Um, but so I was drinking with him, and then this girl's hanging out talking to us. Now, typically, when I see a young drunk girl. Mm-hmm. As a almost forty year old man, and as you as a forty plus year old man, Rude. you should probably have done this too. Uh, is you should have uh, uh, just you know let her just be a drunk twenty four year old girl. She was very drunk, mm-hmm. um, and I, I guess she was being kind of annoying. But you immediately big dick to Paco was there. That's why you were there. Uh, Yellow Paco, who's who's a Participating in the Intern Olympics for Legion of Skanks, mm-hmm. uh, he's like trying to get to know people around the comedy scene in New York, right? Because he's been drummed out of the uh, Vegas comedy <laughs> scene for, uh, I, th- I believe, sexual assault. So we've been a rape. Um, it, you come, come, come in the, go in the booth and talk to Mike. Come Greg, jump out, on Mike Paco. Uh, so I invite don't him. Don't jump on me. Yeah, don't. That jump, was yeah, not don't, consent. Don't fuck Mike's mouth. We know. <laughs> Now, what exactly did you get kicked, for anybody who might not know, what exactly did you get kicked out of Las Vegas, of all places, for sexual impropriety? I didn't get kicked out of the Vegas scene for that, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, just cancel culture overall. Uh, In Las Vegas? No, 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 no. Uh, Oh, overall. On the internet, yeah. So you came here to, oh, the internet kicked you off. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, what did you do? Uh, I hooked up with a girl... And uh, I told her beforehand that, you know, like, I'm not looking for a relationship. And mm-hmm. she was like, okay, that's cool. Uh, she came over. Uh, she, she said, oh, yeah, we're just going to cuddle. I was like, that's fine. Okay. Uh, things progressed. And I was like, okay, so you lied about the cuddling. And then as, uh, you know, we started to get touchy, she goes, oh, damn, I'm, I made a bet with my friends and I lost. And I was like, that stuck out to me because I was like, that's a weird thing to say mid-makeout. Okay. Yeah. And she goes, yeah, I made a bet with my friends. She bet most- that you were going to have a bigger penis than the average Asian man. And you have yeah, a smaller and, penis uh, than the average Asian man. I failed on that one. Mm. So, no, the she said, I bet with my friends that the most we would do is make out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, since you lost the bet, do you want to continue? She said, yes. So you did all that. That's the affirmative consent thing. Yes. Now, see, I'm very old. When I first heard the term affirmative consent, I was just like, just fuck a black chick, you're racist. What are we complaining about? <laughs> and then, But you see, uh, uh, you you did all the things. That's yes. all the things you guys, men your age, are supposed to do. Yes. And she went back. Except and, signed a contract. I didn't get that part. Okay. So she, she went back on that, and then you got in some trouble. Yeah, because uh, she wanted a relationship afterwards. I didn't. Damn, you must be laying that fucking and dick then. game down tight, son. No, not really. <laughs> not really. You poorly fucked her, and she was mad that you were going to wipe it up? Yeah, because I have a great personality, so... I mean, I wouldn't go that far. We've known each other for a few weeks now. We've hung out a few times. Um, but so I invited you through, and you bring Mike... You guys were going to play cards afterwards. Yes. So you told Mike to come. You guys are staying together. Yeah, I live with him Him now. and Frank and Eric. Um, and so 
I like again, I don't remember quite how this went down because I was drinking with our future intern Gabe. Um what exactly happened? Well, you, like you said, you invited me out to, you know, network with people because that's what you're supposed to do in a new city. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, come on, come and meet these bookers, come and meet the comedians. So I was like, oh, okay, hey, what's up, guys? I'm going to mm-hmm. be friendly, you know, mm-hmm. uh, get to know everybody. Now, the girl who threw the show, who is a friend of mine, she's been very nice to me. I think she was going through a little something. She was wearing a gothy makeup, which I've never seen her wear, and hammered. Mm-hmm. It, she was also flirting with Josh, which... She was clearly going through something. Flirting with my other Asian friend, Josh. That's right. I have two Asian friends now, guys. <laughs> two Asian. More than that. Also, I was going to say, Luke's going to be also, hurt when he also hears this. Also, Luke and Andre. I have so many Asian friends, guys. I can... You know, somebody booked me an audition for SNL. The, the thing, too, is... Well, not just goth. Okay. But she looked like she was dressed like Harley Quinn. Yeah, she had a little Harley Quinn action going on. Yeah. Uh, she's like a cosplay chick on Instagram, too. Um, Mike would know about that. Yeah, Mike follows her, but she doesn't follow him back. Um, so, now, I don't remember what happened, but I felt like you were being very aggressive, Mike. You, 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 he feels like he wasn't, but I would lean onto your side and agree with that as well. She said something to you, and you were like, I don't fucking know who you are, which was... Overly aggressive, I thought. It was. But what started it was uh, she said uh, – well, they, she asked, like, what time is it? And, or we asked what time is it, and she looked at her phone and said, oh, it's 930. Uh-huh. But because of her Harley Quinn makeup, Mike decided to go with the joke and say, oh, did you just say mime 30? Oh, that's – That's a good joke. All right. I didn't realize that's what started it. It's a solid joke. I did not realize that was what was... That's how that started. I stand by Mime 30. Okay. You're dressed like Harley Quinn, and you say 930 in front of me. And by the way, I legitimately did think she said Mime 30. Yeah, okay. You know what? This is starting to seem a little more fair. But then what did... (laughs) Thank you. what What did she say? She didn't say anything. She ignored him completely. Okay. She tried to big dick him. So where did this... Here's the thing. So I wasn't really... I was bullshitting with Gabe... Where did this, he was going through, you know, his traumas of murdering children in Iraq, and like, it was, what was going through, what what exactly, I don't know where this went off the rails. Okay, so before that, she was like drinking from like a tea thing, right? And it was was just spilling. It was a cup of coffee, we're outside of the cafe, right? Whatever it was, right? Uh She was spilling all over herself, right? Before, like I saw it dribbling a little bit, and I tried to stop her, she again ignored me completely, Mm -hmm. right? So I was like, oh, To be fair, though, that is the smart move for most women, that engage that have to that are near you. They should ignore you <laughs> completely. It's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And not like it's never happened. Head. It's never happened where Mike has uh, fucked a girl poorly and then she's like, "We need to be in a relationship." <laughs> That's not even a little true. Okay. Uh, but what happens is her drink spills and somehow the lid stays slightly on, uh-huh. and she doesn't. She's not she, even I, aware I, of it. I do remember this. She didn't. And we were kind of just trying to tell her, and she was so. I was perfectly willing to let her continue to pour <laughs> coffee all over herself, which is, to be honest, kind of the thing you do in that situation because you don't want to engage with a drunk, young. Oh. I'm just old, you know what I mean. So it's like to me, I'm just like, I don't want to give any 24 year old girl a reason to be like Chris is a bad person. So I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Maybe she just likes spilling coffee all over herself. <laughs> I don't know what these kids are doing with their TikTok. I thought she was filming a TikTok. 
I don't know. Right. What is it? Is this for a telegram? I don't. What, what is it? What's the thing? Clubhouse? Is this for Clubhouse? <laughs> you had to check your notes yes. for that? <laughs> this fucking, this dumb whore. Right. I wouldn't go that far. She has always been very nice to me. She is one of the only person. This is the only place to do stand up. And you got into a fight with one of two bookers <laughs> at this space right Ooh, now. You can't perform outside in the cold for six people. Shut up. First of all, and get drunk with Gabe for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were drinking for free. That's yeah. Tight. All right. I shouldn't fuck that up for you. My bad. Yeah. That's another thing that he had said to her as well because she spilt. Her drink, me being the gentleman rapist that I am, mm-hmm. I went to go get napkins for her, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, here you go, because you spilled on yourself. And, and then they were like, covered in chloroform, and you just, ah, I gotcha, bitch. <laughs> but there's too many people there, you know, too many witnesses, yeah, so yeah, I couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so instead, I used it to clean, I gave it to her so she could clean herself off. By the way, uh, sex positive advocate, Eliza Orland's coming up just at the end of the show. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I was like, uh, give me your drink so I can fix the lid. And she was like, no. And I was like, what the? And this is where Harrington was like. She probably thought you were going. All right. So she is also Asian. Mm -hmm. And she probably knows you from weird from Asian Twitter (laughs) and how you've been canceled. Or about how, you know, those people do play joke. Mm. (laughs) I was going to put pee pee in her coke. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, so this happens, and then what it now, I don't understand how, because she tried to bring it up, because I, again, eventually stopped paying attention to all of this, because it seemed nonsensical. Okay, well, no, the other thing, the other thing, and this is what made me call her a dumb whore, is she entered into a conversation where it was you, me, Paco, Gabe was there, I think there was, like, a couple other... Which is true, it's like, she came over to us, and she only knew me and maybe my friend Josh in that right. circle of people. Because I was trying to introduce her to Paco, but she want, she had, she was having none of any sort of comedy introductions. Right. And she was being overly flirty with Josh. So at this point, I legitimately just thought she was some drunken whore that Josh was bringing around. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, good for Josh. Which I'll be honest, he has, Josh has brought, he's a young, he's a young, Paco, how old are you? I'm 30. You're 30. So Josh is like 23. And I've known him since he's 17. And he had he'll just bring dingy girls around. So that is because he's done that around you once or twice. Okay, enough where I was like, oh, this is a Josh ass move to be doing. Okay, so I was like, he'll he'll foist some girl onto us who who are his grown up friends. And now it's like we shouldn't have to deal with whatever's happening. At no point did anybody tell me, oh, this is this girl's show. Like this is. Who, well, I couldn't exactly say it in front of her. Hey, Mike, don't be an a- don't be yourself, because I would like to at maybe one point get I stage said, time the- at some point before it gets warm out again. At one point, I said, "Who the fuck are you?" Right, and nobody said, "And eh, this isn't her show." Well, that's because she immediately cut in with, "I run this." No, she didn't. This she was didn't. way later. Right, she she butts into a conversation where it's the. Like five fellas just hanging out, shooting the shit. Bust. We're already in ball busting mood, mm-hmm. right? Yes, I can't. Sir. I can't be around you if you've had three or four without having my fucking guard up because you're immediately just fucking. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all, Mike. Yeah, Chris, I've met you. You're drunk right now, and you're already fucking with me. I'm not drunk right now. That's ridiculous. Getting drunk right now. I'm getting drunk. Yes. I just had a great interview that we just conducted. And, I, you know, I'm celebrating. She wanders in to the conversation, and immediately she goes, I've never had a devil's triangle. 
Oh, right. Is, that's not a thing. I thought, isn't it a devil's threesome is two men and a woman? Sure. But the men also fuck a little? I don't know. Or is it a DP? It's a proper DP. No, I think it's, I think it's, it's, a, it's. Well, look it up. Yeah. Pop, a yeah. devil's triangle? Yeah. It's not a real thing. She made no, it No, I've heard that phrase No, you've before. heard of devil's threesome, maybe. Maybe devil's threesome. Yeah. I mean, I knew that's what she was talking about. Sure, I did too, right? But I do remember being like, oh, this is getting real. She, I had this vibe from her all night that she had just broken up with a guy she really liked. That's why anytime you see a girl with extra eye makeup on, all of a sudden, and they're drunk, somebody hurt them that day. Yeah. Probably but Paco. She also had the long, like, red boots. Yeah, she was wearing, yes. It was very extra. Well, she spilled all that coffee on those suede, suede boots, and I was just like, well, she just ruined these shoes that she's wearing in the snow for some reason. Yeah, it seemed like somebody had hurt her that day, which is another reason why when you're talking to a child, you use kid gloves a little bit, Mike. No, man, I just, like, <sighs> I don't suffer fools. There's one thing about me. I just don't. I've, you look in the mirror mm-hmm. every day, and we're mm-hmm. going to get to the slam poetry. Don't think you're off the hook on the slam poetry, Mike. Um, so, so then, bro, I fucking the, so the amount did you look of up shit, devil's triangle. The amount of yeah, it's it's exactly that. A devil's threesome, one man, two women. It's important to remember that straight men do not make eye contact while in the act. Doing so will question their sexuality. No, it makes you immediately gay. Yeah, all right, <laughs> whatever. You must write for UrbanDictionary.com. Um. Fucking the amount of shit that I've eaten in this business to get as low on the fucking totem pole as I am. I'm not going to fucking suffer through her horse shit for no reason. Right. I mean, you just put up with a drunk idiot girl. I never do that ever. That's not in my fucking nature. Mm. He also did say like you can't do anything for me yes that is i I, know i was getting to it i was getting a slow build oh well that Uh, was that is so at some point this what happened after the devil's threesome thing so i i immediately was like all right i honestly tried to no sell it because i was like oh this is a we all tried to no sell it that's what you do with a girl that is too drunk for any of us Look, and I'll tell you this after I'll tell when we we'll get to the part after you guys left where it got real dicey. But um, you just know, sell if you are not going to take advantage of a girl that drunk and hoary, you know, sell when they say things like that. I have done it to good friends of mine that were in their 30s. I had a girl once going, I guess I'm going home alone, Chris. And I just continued my conversation. Somebody you know, Mike. And I just continued my conversation. Literally, I'm talking about this. We were eating with another girl you know, who's a friend of mine, and literally just stopped paying attention to the girl here as she kept saying that and had a conversation. And then I watched the two of them get in a cab together. I want to know who these people are after the show is over. I'll tell you. Um, But yeah, that's funny. I... Look, man, like I did. I tried to no sell for as long as I fucking could, but she wouldn't stop with the nonsense. And what what am I going to do? Fucking be like, oh, yeah, sure. Me and Josh are going to go double team. I'm going to go have a fucking threesome with me, Josh, and fucking drunken whore I've never met before. That's crazy. Just stop with your fucking games. Shut up, lady. Hold on. Shut up. Hold on. (laughs) Let's let's just let's let's stop for a moment here and examine what you just said. What? 
I am not going to have a random threesome with a guy I hang out with sometimes mm-hmm. and some random whore. That's what you just said to me. You, Michael Harrington, just said that to me. When she's that if- drunk. That You kind of left that part out just <laughs> No. No, that was my but whole you, point. If that girl was just a whore, she's only a whore when she's that drunk. Because I've seen that girl a bunch of times. Yeah. And I don't even think she... I mean, like, throwing the devil's triangle thing out there, it's a whorey move, Right. It seemed like somebody hurt her. If that's your entrance into, hey, there's five guys here all not talking about me, let me. I've never put been in a in their head. Me getting fucking. <laughs> that's the devil's pentagram, actually. No, because it's still hard. She still counts as one point. Devil's. Yeah, there's a, there's she's a- the third in the triangle. The pentagon is the four guys that were in that group, and then she entered it. That's why. Hmm. Oh, it was yeah, it was only yeah. no, it's five of us. Yeah. Six. She'd be the sixth. Yeah, Devil's Hexagon. That's the episode title, by the way. Okay. Um, um so uh what did you say when she said that? I don't remember what happened. I, like I said, I just tried to no sell for as long as I could. And then eventually, right, like I was I was trying to be helpful. I was like, your top after she spilled, right? Again, people got her napkins. I was like, your top still isn't on your drink. You're still spilling on yourself. And she was like trying to argue that she wasn't as I watched fresh liquid. That's true. It was cool. It was that, cool. Okay. So yeah, I remember she was going, no, I'm not. And she moved the cup <laughs> and way more spilled on her. It was crazy, dude. It just kept happening. And I'm like, I'm in fucking crazy person land. Like I don't want to talk to her anymore, but she keeps inserting herself into the conversation I'm having with anybody else who's around me. Mm. Right. And it's like, I'm at a certain point. It's like, I'm a more dynamic, funny, and interesting person to talk to than the girl who can barely keep a fucking sentence together. So of course, like, I mean, to like me, but you know, Paco's new in town. No, but fucking even. All right. Like regardless that, that kid, Joe, apparently he's an open micer who I'd seen. I've seen this kid a couple times at comedy fight club. Did I thought his name was John, right? Apparently his name is Joe. I think, he was saying that towards the end of like this whole interaction, but like he was trying to start a. Co- I don't fucking know the guy. I don't want to talk to him, but like she just kept butting into that, and I'm like, what? What are you doing? Right? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then it became a whole thing where she was like, then she got mad at me, right? And then she like fucking she was doing her grinder wrong, like she was putting the weed into the top part of the grinder, mm-hmm. and I was just pointing that out to her, and she's like, you know what, you fucking asshole, I'm gonna like flip it over. Well, I'm like, oh, that's an unnecessary extra step didn't even say that part then she just starts breaking down about what a fucking asshole i am and how i'm never gonna perform there and i'm like yeah bitch i'm not a comedian there's nothing you can do to help my career i just stated those facts out plainly right because don't you can't no you said you can do nothing for me (laughs) that is your your exact words i remember that part (laughs) Super clearly, you can do nothing for me. Okay, but that was in response to her being like, I'm going to hold it over you that you can't perform at this fucking, once again, outdoor venue that six people showed up to. Yeah, I mean, it's not... It's not a great place to perform. But she was lording it over me like, oh, I got the fucking trump card. To which Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, you fucking don't. I don't... I'm not in this world. Like, I'm more liked here than you are at your own show... And I'm not even a fucking comic. What are you doing? Hmm. And uh, she immediately broke down after that. She started getting very upset. I, that's yeah, when I. That's when end. I walked away. And, Is that uh, the end of your story? That's the end of my. Ah, yes. Yeah, seems like Ooh, there's more. To all right. Story. Well, there are some pieces missing. <laughs> <laughs>
the part where she uh, was putting her weed in her grinder mm-hmm. with the top part, he did say it in a condescending tone. Mm. Like, you know you're doing that wrong. I don't remember. And uh, it was very condescending because that's why she bit back at you. That's just how I talk. And then when you said, you can do nothing for me, she was like, who is this asshole that at is, my that show? That is what happened, yeah. And he, uh, she dropped her top down. And she, go, she as she's we keep it saying her top was down and her top the was top up. grinder the top grinder oh no but I'm just saying is like we keep saying that and people listening are like did this bitch take her shirt off or what <laughs> like I know like if I was listening to this conversation I would just be going look I know it's probably it's a twenty they're saying it's a twenty two year old Asian girl and I know she probably doesn't even have big titties but does she have her fucking tits out in the fucking cold <laughs> or fucking what that's how I would feel as somebody who consumes podcasts listening <laughs> to this right now. All right, for the rest of the time, her tits were securely packaged. We never saw them. We've never seen – I've never seen her tits. Now, uh, when she drops the top of her grinder and she goes on to pick it up and she goes, it's really sad that this is the only way you have fun. And Harrington said, I'm not having fun. (laughs) And she goes, what are you talking about? This is my show. And Harrington goes, oh, this is your show? No wonder I'm not having fun. And that's what broke her. And she started to just go, who the fuck? You know when girls are real mad and they have that witch's finger and their back is bent over? She's like, who is this asshole disrespecting me? I do so much. And then just, she backed away. Can we all just put a point out? This is why, no, hold on. This is why Mike has fucking some level of autism. Because <laughs> any other man in this situation would look at that girl, even without seeing her, see how drunk she was, see how she was dressed in the freezing cold outside of a coffee shop, and go, and go, she's probably going through some shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even know. And again, I'm friends with her. Um, The kid Josh ended up taking her home, says he didn't smash. I never believe anybody who ever says that. But after this... Do you have something to defend? You, you were grabbing the mic. Do you have, are you going to defend yourself? I saw the look on your face. That was funny. Oh, yeah. It was <laughs> absolutely. Solid joke. I, we're not here to dispute whether or not Mime 30 and This Is Why I'm are solid birds. Yeah. These are solid ribs that you got. You dug it. I'm just saying any sane adult man <laughs> would see the situation and go, this is a person going through something. Um, it is a more vulnerable person than I because they are intoxicated, 90 pounds, a woman, 10 years younger than me, and uh, just kind of like, let it go. Not Mike Harrington. <laughs> Mike Harrington's <laughs> like, you know what? This is the batting cages for where I learn how to insult people. <laughs> I'm I'm, yeah. si- I'm sick of all my friends bullying me in no. podcast studios. I, I'm gonna tee off on this child <laughs> in front of a fucking Panamanian coffee shop. <laughs> she look, she started it. I finished it. That's how I look at it. You're literally talking <laughs> like you just beat up a girl. Yeah. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I mean, emotionally, she was broken. Mike. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. So, 
we were hanging out afterwards. You guys left. You guys went to play cards. I immediately, by the way, followed her on Instagram. She still hasn't followed me back. It's very upsetting. Dude, she kept bringing up. I kept having to like walk away from her because she kept coming over to me and be like, "Who was that asshole?" <laughs> she did it like three times, and I just kept no selling it. So she brought him up three times. Yeah, she's probably trying to smack. He kind of has a chance then. Yeah, who's calling? I don't know. It's on the uh... answer the phone. NYC podcasting. Yeah, what's up? Is it Ralph? All right, we're gonna have to edit this out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll write. Uh... All right, I'm, I'm gonna go with. Uh, who did you get to from? Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Um... Somebody is fucking with you, Mike. Her. Yeah, yeah, that's her. That's the girl. She. Then we're out. We're going out live on Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Hang up. Yeah, none of that is not. That's not accurate at all. Yeah, we have not had a data leak. We have not had no servers. That, that sounds like. Are you talking to a phone scammer? What's that? Are you just talking to a phone scammer? Ralph sc- is uh is the guy who runs Gas Digital. Yeah. All right, man. Have it going. Nah, man. We're 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 secure. All right, peace. You sure this isn't streaming on Clubhouse? I'm positive it's not streaming on Clubhouse. Some fucking guy was just he was. He said that he got an email from Apple saying that uh, Gas Digital servers had been hacked and uh, his passwords were not secure. So if he used the same password for Gas Digital as he did anything else, they should change everything across the board. That was it. That was a listener who yeah, Google sends you those too. Like if Google ha- like if somebody tries to hack your Google account, they send you that and they tell you to change some. You just interrupted the show. We're leaving this in now. You just interrupted the show for all that. Uh, you told me to pick up the phone. Hmm. Did, who told me to you pick up the to phone? You didn't have to stay on the phone that long. Now, look. So this girl. The guy was scared. I'm not hanging up on the fucking scared guy. <laughs> scary guy. He's, you'll no, he you'll was... yell at a 22-year-old drunk girl in the street, mm-hmm. but you won't hang up on a crazy person who calls the studio. He's not a crazy person. He's a subscriber. He's a paying member of Gas Digital. All right. Right? If you are a paying member, right, of the fucking subscription service to the place where I work, I have infinitely more respect for you than any drunken 23-year-old whore. Period. End of fucking story. If you ever want to spend there's not a, a single dollar- drunken 23-year-old whore, at least some sort of twink that <laughs> subscribes to this service. Yeah, I'm sure there and is. And as we've said on the show, the twink is the fashion accessory of the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> there is no better... Even as a straight man, I wish I had one, you know? Be fucking dope, dude. Yeah. That's kind of what Paco is to me. Yeah? Paco's your twink? (laughs) He's too old looking. No. You thought he was Josh level, 23, 24. I thought maybe, I figured 26. Whatever. Um, 26 isn't twink. Josh is a twink. Dog, I was homeless a year ago. Now I got a 26-year-old looking twink? Come on. He's got the earring, too. I'm doing you know great. You know what? You're back in there. You're, Thanks, back in, you're back in the pocket. So anyway, yeah, that girl was so drunk. There was a, there was a creepy... 
uh, older Dominican man from the Lower East Side hitting on her, and I did just make jobs. I was like, you need to take that girl home, like now, because that guy just every time we weren't talking to her because she was annoying, this guy was like <laughs> hovering and just being like, yeah, ma, like da 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 da. I was just like, yo, how could you? I could never. I remember one time a girl I had used to hook up with, coincidentally also a drunk Asian girl. Um, but I, I run it, I walk into this bar and this girl shit face. And I'm talking about this girl was fucking smoking. And she was just like, I'm fucked up. She lived five blocks from where we were. And I was like, I was like, look, I'm going to bring you home in a cab. She lived less than five. She was like, it was like three blocks. Like, I remember I got in the cab and the guy was like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. Like, this is how drunk. And if I didn't walk in. It was just it was just dudes hovering over this chick. And like I brought her back and she like give me a kiss on the mouth and she was like I'm not going to fuck you. I'm too drunk. I was like, "Yeah, I know. Go to bed." And I walked back to the bar. And I was back in the bar in 15 minutes after calling a cab. And the bartender goes, "I thought you were done for the night." I was like, "I'm not a rapist, sir." Like <laughs> like like it was like I was like I was like and here's the thing is like that girl's friends are going to tell her, hey, you know who took you home? Chris. And you know what? I'm going to get a freebie and not have to take her on a date the next time I fuck her. She, she was one of those girls who was like, you got to take me on a date. And I was like, what, what, what are we doing? Just this formality. I have to fuck it. It wasn't even like dinner. We would just go get a couple of drinks out. I was just like, just let me come over and smash. What the fuck is wrong with you? Right? Yeah, of course. I mean, what? All right. I feel like there was something else that I had to bring up of something stupid you did before we got to the slam poem. What else did I do that was stupid? I don't know. Oh, this is what it is. I made the poor girl cry. You did. You fucking. So fucking funny. Uh, I love. I like her cosplay. I, if you I ta- thought she was a cute. She's a cute girl. Next time we talk to her, be like, hey, you should follow back my boy on Instagram. You fucking. I will. I'm going to tell her. He's you, a good guy. I'm going to tell her you spent a half hour on the show apologizing. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely not smart enough to figure out how to fucking download a podcast. So, yeah, tell her. I mean, she'll just download High Society Radio and be like, what? <laughs> what is. <laughs> Why are these guys talking about stocks? What is. What is what's a Litecoin? <laughs> Um, but so, uh, you, we're gonna... you, Johnny and Stanley are a devil's triangle. Yeah, we, yeah. That's... <laughs> um, so we've been, we, this has been a, a magnum. This has been a, a storyline on the show for several weeks. Now, Mike, you're going to perform now. You, your lifelong dream has been to perform, to be a slam, a professional. Did you know this? Paco? Uh, he's, Mike wants to be a professional slam poet. Now. Your inspiration for this was that it was Deaf Poetry Jam, because mm-hmm. you thought like cool black guys like most deaf do slam poetry, mm-hmm. and you were gonna like move to New York and like hang out in smoke filled rooms. Now, do you know who um, Mark Smith is? I I know I'm not gonna like who Mark Smith Can is. Can you please you Google that. Mark Smith poet? Mm. No, hold on. Before we pull it up, now you did. This was a dream of yours as a child. I was a teenager. Well, it wasn't a child. That's a type of child. This is Mark Smith. Mark Kelly Smith. He's got a girl's middle name. <laughs> this is the man who 
created <laughs> slam poetry. He uh, founded the slam poetry movement. Here he is hailing Hitler. Yeah, there, there he is uh, giving a Nazi salute in front of what looks like an Indian brass band. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, here here's him dressed as uh, some sort of hipster. Um, can we let's go to videos? Let's see if we can find a poem. Is this okay. him? No, it's nobody. Do you? Are you? Were you hoping he was maybe with Conan O'Brien? Mm, maybe. <laughs> so not looking good for. I mean, to be fair though. That looks more like that Phil Collins looking motherfucker looks more like who you would be looking up to. My name is Mark. Oh, yeah, let's see if we can find. Can we find a poem of his? Uh huh. Smith. And this is a small boy. Imagine a little kid at a spinet piano in a bungalow on the southeast side of Chicago. And he's doodling with the key. This was the rain. This the thunder. And this the electrostatic stitches knit now and again in the gray growing darkness gripping the sky. This was the bright blue. That's the sun. Steps of a spider, light on the downspout. Beads on the paint flakes. Pauses. Peeling off tin. Thank you. Um, so uh, this demented old coot <laughs> that you just played for me, uh, that's the guy you wanted. That sounds like the ramblings. It's just an old white guy that is probably in a holding cell somewhere going, I planted the hair out of my ass and the queen of England grew from it. Actually, that got said to me by an old man in a holding cell once. Um <laughs> True story. Um, so I figured I would show you that before I made you perform slam poetry. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're to making further that the shat- bar. To further shatter your dreams. No, I just, I wanted to. I, I, no, that's the guy who made the art form, created it. Created, created something yeah. that is, became eventually cool enough for most deaf to perform on HBO. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I've, if I can beat that guy. I might have something. Uh, I mean, it seems like you're grasping at straws. Now, now I said I was going to have a... Now, luckily, we have Paco here. I said I would have a producer in. I'm going to have him come in here. I have a button here that will play this music. This is bongo drums that I had Frank find randomly. Now, in order for this... Or just bongos? There's a whole beat behind that. Yeah, whatever. It's a little soca beat. But, uh... If this, if you, if, if your poem does not seamlessly work with bongo drums, dropped at any given time, it can't be considered a slam poem as far as this show is concerned, and you do not earn 125 Dogecoin. That was the bet. So, uh, Paco, can you come in here, sit in this chair, and uh, just at a random time, and I, now I'm telling you this right now, Mike, don't try to pull the thing where you don't put yourself on camera in a two-shot for this uh for this performance you need to be on camera so there's see where it says uh tribal drums looped right there uh just at some point during mike's performance i need you to push play on that now uh let's go to the two shot video now you have written a slam poem correct mike i have written a slam poem mike this is your dream to perform slam we we, we speak to seven billion people a week Mm -hmm. and now good i'm glad you're standing up because i wasn't gonna let you sit down for this now 
This is we've been waiting for weeks. We've really built it up by telling everybody how you bullied a child earlier this week. Twenty three, not a child. I mean, come on. Um, and uh, now you're going to perform. Oh, putting the hat backwards. I like it. I love it. I love it. Do you have now? Do you have notes? Oh, no hat. You should take your shirt off. There we go. Pop that shirt up. George the Animal Steel performing performing slam poetry on notes of a goon. Um, okay. Oh, you haven't memorized? You don't even need notes? No, come on now. Oh, you got your phone out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, I'll let you intro yourself, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend we're in. Hold on. We'll do this real quick. Ladies and gentlemen at the uh, Gunataria Poetry Cafe, here is your next poet. He's he's coming from you from from the best Chester, Michael Harrington. This is stalwart. S is for staunch. Strong, with a steady hand, always ready to rock. T is for tenacious, trim, and truthful, providing topics that shock. A is for average, antiquated, asshole, appropriations, because I did the work that that lady said in the note. L is for a little lazy, late and loafing, because I don't want the first three letters to go to my head. That didn't rhyme at all. Probably. I was supposed to say said. Ah, keep head. reading your poem. A is for a. Uh, wait, no. <laughs> w is for waiting, willing, and war ready to come at anyone who would tax this show. A is for abusing anomalous anthrax, like powder, aka mad bumps of blow. Hmm. R is for regarded as regally retarded, because I may be a little slow, but you know I'm a king. T is for tuning every Tuesday, because there's no way I'm hopping on a mic without plugging this thing. I'm a stalwart producer. Come rain or snow or sleet or storm, notes of a goon, catch us at your local christening, smacking the firstborn. <laughs> Sure, I'm a piece of shit who loves to gamble, but on this show we argue and rant, but never ever ramble. Chris, I did the thing with Paco on the bongo strictly for posterity. Now can we please get back to the show he said with temerity. I like the use of temerity there. Paco, go in there. I want to get your opinion on this. Um, This has been... That was a good... That was, I'll be honest, significantly better... Than I ever would have assumed. <laughs> I honestly didn't have that many jokes for it. I'll be honest. Like I, I it, it was. Here's what you did though. What you did was you took the word mm-hmm. and you broke it down and made it harder to shit on you. Right. So like if you had just tried to be deep, mm-hmm. we would have been just just destroying you. Right. It's just a it's a it's a trick. You did a trick. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I can't hate it. Thank you. I can't hate it. Was that some good? That was some good ass slam poetry. I'm. You didn't put. Here's the thing. You didn't put enough shoulder into it, but you put it some shoulder into it. I did. I did. There was some shoulders. There's some shoulder in it. It was a little bit. I. I'm not gonna. I can't even. 
I still, it was hand jobby enough. Mm-hmm. You have just earned 125 Dogecoin, Woo! which uh, I believe is worth $6 as of this recording. <laughs> Yo, that's more than most poets make in their whole that, careers. That is 100% <laughs> true. Uh, it is a uh, art form void of glory uh, or enjoyment because poetry stinks. Um, I still say poetry as a whole stinks. Where I w- Shel Silverstein is the best poet. Um, Paco, what did you think of the poem as an Asian rapist? I can't remember. Um, I felt like he was trying real hard. To not try real hard. You know what I mean? Yes. That is true. He was... I feel like Mike purposely didn't buzz his beard down so he could look a little hairier for the poem. Um, I don't know. I think it was It was good. It, was, it, was, it wasn't as hand-jobby as I would like from a poem. He put a little spit there. I wanted to hear more about the electric energy of the spider feats or whatever. No, 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 no. No, we were just... I gave you every single aspect of how stalwart a producer I am. All right, fair. I said you've earned 125 Dogecoin. I mean, that's what that's what poetry is all about. Poetry is all about meme cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially. Yeah, that's. I mean, really. <laughs> fuck it. That's why. That's why Homer wrote the Odyssey. You know, like. Yeah, just, I mean, at some point, Homer wrote the Odyssey legitimately to go from town to town, just. Eating and drinking for free, which is, you know, after Dogecoin, right, goes to the moon. That's true. You'll so be I'm fine. gonna be doing. That's a good point. Now, um, you used a derogatory term for uh, mentally handicapped people. I mean, you know, artistic license. Yeah. Um, and you showed me what was the tweet you showed me earlier from some lady? Um, uh, oh, Havana Rama. Yeah. Mm. What made you find? How? Where'd you find this? Um, I don't know. I think one of the Skank Skanks girls, maybe, or somebody who I follow on Twitter, uh, was saying, you know, just like, uh, somebody replied in here. Oh, okay. At one point, and was like, oh yeah. Well, let, like, let's read the tweet. Okay. Uh, friendly reminder because it's popped up a lot this week. Using crippled, crippling, cripple to describe your emotions, the economy, someone with physical disabilities, etc is ableism same goes for lame if you yourself are not disabled it's time to find some new words here's the thing crippled uh is the correct word for the economy you know what I mean? like if the economy's in shambles crippled is the correct word you know what i mean like if if um because the economy is being held back by external forces, if it let's say restaurants aren't allowed to open, it's the correct word. Um, there's a weird stuff. There's a weird thing. So, um, what was the reply that you wanted to bring up? Um, I'm also I'm we didn't play the moving on drop. You should probably do that. Well, because you didn't say we were moving on. All right, I had it ready. I, I didn't want to correct you on your own show. Yeah. Well, we'll get. Sometimes we get a little late to things. Um, a bunch of people just responded with the definition of the word cripple, which is uh, which the, is uh, cause severe and disabling damage to deprive of the ability to function normally, which. Yeah, it's pretty apt descriptor. Yeah, that's uh, probably what you need to do. And it like you can be emotionally crippled. Mm. It's a it's a correct. I mean, 
You probably shouldn't be tweeting that you're emotionally crippled. That's if you're emotionally crippled, you probably shouldn't be tweeting. Yeah, you probably shouldn't be on Twitter. It's not a safe place for you. It's not a safe. Yeah, Twitter is. Uh, I mean, even though they're fucking kicking everybody off or making fun of these fucking deficients. Right. Um, I mean, how many people do you think got thrown off Twitter just for making fun of this lady for this? Because that tweet went fairly viral, right? Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, I really wanted to just uh, quote tweet it mm-hmm. and say literally the only time I use lame is when I'm trying real hard not to say that's gay in public. Yes. yes. I'll tell you this right now. Um, a friend of mine who likes to think they're very... He's, he's a practicing Muslim. He likes to think... He, he actually listens to the show, so he'll hear this. He likes to think he's very woke, and so he's like, uh, he's like, look, you should just never call things gay. Just call them lame. And I was like, I don't know. You think being gay is an abomination before God... I really don't think you should give me shit for calling somebody's shoes gay. You know what I mean? Like, if you, like, I don't want to hear about microaggressions from somebody who thinks that gay people are an abomination before God, is all Wait, I'm does saying. he really? No. I mean, if like, you, if the, you say you believe the, the teachings of the Quran, that's to buy the book. Right. But it's, yeah, like, but so here's the thing. All right. I know unless some... you're willing to say, I don't subscribe to the teachings of the Quran. And this goes for the Bible, too. This sounds like an argument you've had with this dude while he was pretty drunk, and you were pretty drunk, and you were like, no. We've had it sober, too. I'm sticking to this. I don't want to... If you are part of a monotheistic religion, and you believe the written words in that monotheistic religion, I do not want to hear about microaggressions. Because of the shit they say about, like, women and stuff in those religions. Like, if you're a practice... If you're like, yeah, no, the Bible's right. Are you sure? If you're not willing to say that the Bible has room for interpretation or the Quran has room for interpretation, then shut the fuck up. All right, that's fair. Like, but, so, uh, he was like, yeah, you could just say lame. So I'm going to bring this to his attention the next time we're having this argument, which will be soon. It's pretty fun. Yeah, because I could always steer it there. <laughs> um, but, so, yeah, that is, but that is true. It's like people, like, it's like, it's a weird thing where... So my brother is disabled. Right. Right. Uh, and he prefers, he has no issue with the term handicapped. Because okay. he thinks of it like a sports handicap. He doesn't prefer handicapable? He hates handicapable. Yeah, that's the worst. Um, he used to jokingly call himself special. Like, <laughs> he would sarcastically be like, I'm special. <laughs> like, oh, dude. like like being a real prick about it. That's awesome. Be like, call me special. I knew there was a funny one in your family. Yeah. Thanks. Good one. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. If you hit a depressed Irishman with a truck, they become funny. Sam Kimson. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> um but it's funny, like he always preferred the term. Handicap, and I remember um, a girl I worked with in the bar at one point said to me, "She goes, she goes, you should you should tell him he shouldn't use the word handicapped." And I go, "What? You think I'm going to tell a little handicapped kid not to use words he wants to use? What are you? You're being ridiculous." She was like, "Does he even know where that term comes from?" And I go, "Well, where does it come from?" She goes, "Well, that's about begging because you're handy with a cap. That's not true." That's just something that stupid SJW idiots say to themselves. Wait, that's... 
where they think that came from? Yes. You look up the etymology of the word handicapped. Mike's thinking about Mike is a, a retard, so he can't. He's like Edamawa. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Paco's nodding. Like, um. All right. Well, okay. Mid seventeenth century, from the phrase "hand in cap," originally a pastime in which one person claimed an article belonging to another and offered something in exchange. Any difference in value being decided by an umpire. All three deposited forfeit money in a cap. Two opponents showed their agreement or disagreement with the valuation by bringing out their hands either fully or empty if both were the same the umpire took the forfeit money if not went to the person who accepted the valuation the term handicap race was applied uh late 18th century to a horse race in which the umpire decided the weight to be carried by each horse the owners showing acceptance or descent in a similar way hence in the late 19th century handicap came to mean the extra weight given to the superior horse I that's don't. that's why white people are so fat in this country. No, um, it was a solid white supremacy joke. Okay, right? fuck you. Um, <clears throat> no, but that has nothing to do with being a beggar. Uh, yeah, I mean, it has to do with a game of chance. Yeah, that's what it was always meant to be. That's what we know a golf handicap to be. Mm-hmm. That's what we know the word handicap to be. But there is a group of people who have decided that the word came from this other thing like you know my brother is handicapped because he had an injury that is holding him back from performing to his potential Mm. that's all that means like mike you have a handicap okay what's that you're a gay loser who likes slam poetry fair you know it prevents you from being nice to 23-year-old drunken sluts? Yes. Cool. I don't know that she's a slut. She might not be. I, I don't mean, want to just call people sluts. Come on. You only met her the one time. Yes. That's all I needed. I don't know, man. If you're out in public dressed as Harlequin, talking about how you would like dicks in multiple orifices. What if it was her orifices, birthday? What? What if it was her birthday? I, does that give you car, unless it's Halloween, unless her birthday's Halloween, right? Then no, still unacceptable. Mm, I don't know, man, bro. Unless you're going to Comic Con or Halloween, you can't be cosplaying as Harley Quinn. Period. If you do, I mean, sure. It wasn't sure. a full cosplay. Let's stop telling she the has listeners. The mind let, shit. Let's stop telling the listeners like she was wearing, walking around with jester cap on. It wasn't she. She had the mind tears. It, it was just eye makeup. Harley Quinn, just, look, I will, I, I did say earlier that if you see a girl that you know, and she normally doesn't wear a lot of eye makeup, and she's all of a sudden wearing a lot of eye makeup, somebody hurt her, and she's out, troll, out trolling for dick. Out trolling for dick one night does not a slut make, Mike. That's 100% of the times that I've met her. That is my reference point. Mm-hmm. That and her Instagram, which I then trolled <laughs> on the way to the poker game, which only backed up my initial hypothesis. Mm. Again, next time you talk to her, tell her I said, what's up? I will. I will. Um, I'd 100% take her out to dinner. I'll tell you this right now. Um, <laughs> I think you're in a good position to eventually have sex with that <laughs> If my personal history with women... Yeah. Is anything to be like 
my girlfriend who I've been with for very long fucking hated me because oh, you've made her cry so many times. I mean, today. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? I, I just do it for sport. <laughs> when I get tired of juggling around the house, I just make my girlfriend cry. Um, it's just, no, but it's just like she, I used to just show up at her birthday party every year. One, because I wanted to smash either her or one of her friends. It really didn't matter. But uh, because my buddies, she was friends with Stanley when we were when, when, when we were in college and shit. Well, they were in college, which, <laughs> to, be, yeah. to be correct. You were hanging. Yeah, when I was selling drugs at their college. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I would just show up to her birthday parties because my boys would be like, hey, you want to go to a party? And I'd be like, yeah, of course. I like parties. Like that's just yeah, I'll always and, and she was just like, You were just like always at like parties and I was like Yeah, like I didn't have a job. <laughs> like what do we sorry. I didn't have school to go to and hang out of myself. Like it's like I'm uh, I'm hanging out with my buddies from high school at their college. <laughs> what does that make me a loser or something? <laughs> then why is my dick inside you? <laughs> uh, stupid Oh, all right, moving on. Um, AOC, we talked about this a little bit on the show last week. We said that uh, she was she 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 said Ted Cruz said uh, he agreed with her on the GameStop thing, and then she goes, "Hey, didn't you literally have try to have me killed three weeks ago?" I'll take support from anybody but you. And she put a, a long, long video about her ordeal at the Capitol. She also um, mentioned that she was the victim of sexual assault. Uh, not the victim, a victim. If she was the victim of sexual assault, that'd be crazy. She's the only one? Well, I just... She's I, like a sin eater? I would just more... Man, if you were calling yourself the... It's like calling yourself the man. You know what I mean? Like you're prolific at the thing. You know what I mean? I don't think that's the case. I think she was just, she said, she likened like she it. She took on the sexual assault of every other woman in America. She, like, no, she basically said that uh, it reminded her of her assault and this and that. Um, but we, we talked a little bit about on the show about what probably happened as far as her. This was before, now like a lot, there's a lot of controversy around what people, but we talked about this last week and, um, what I said was, look, man, you know the cops when you get the big titty Puerto Rican girl real fast and get her the fuck out of that room. And so, but she was talking about it, and apparently it was it was different. Can you can you play some of the video? I don't want to play any yeah. huge violent bangs on my door and then every door going into my office. Just bang, bang. Shoot, see, look, I'm banging over again. (laughs) Bang, 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 bang. Like someone was trying to break the door down. And I, I just get up like this and I run over to the legislative office and I run over to G. Who's G? And G just looks at me. I think it's her wax. And he just goes, 
hide, hide, what? run and hide. It's her bodyguard, I maybe? jump uh. into the bathroom. And I immediately realized that I shouldn't have gone into the bathroom. I should have jumped in the closet. And so I... I like to think that she I just has a Secret Service officer when all of a sudden that's I a G-man, and she just calls him G. That whoever was trying to get inside... <laughs> she doesn't want to learn his name. Office. And then I just start to hear these yells of, Where is she? Where is she? And... I just thought to myself, they got inside. And um, this was the moment where I thought oh my everything God. was. Just. I mean, I thought I was. There are die. time lapses in this video for anybody um, who's listening to this. And I had a lot of thoughts. I'm just trying I to tell, a make a quick thoughts. point to Mike. It's a minute 40. <laughs> I think when you're in a situation like that, um, I had a lot of thoughts. And like also one of those thoughts that I had was, you know, I just happened to, you know, be a spiritual person and be raised in that context. Oh my God. What? There is nothing worse ever. Look, I feel bad. If this uh, is the plan for About her trauma. Um, I'll tell you this right now. If when you start dropping, I'm a spiritual person in the middle of this story, you're everything wrong with storytelling. Um, And so I look through Mm -hmm. this door hinge. You're looking through a door hinge now? And I see this. Um, oh, she's in the closet, but she wanted to. She's in the bathroom. Um, bump, just like open the door of my personal office and come inside the personal office and yell again, where is she? Um, and I have never been quieter in my entire life. Thank God. I was just, I, I don't even know if I held my breath, but I was just you know, here behind there. And I just start sliding down. Um, Why is that? That's, and then all of a sudden I hear my staffer G yell out. Um, and he's, he's like, Hey, 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 it's okay. Come out, come out. So I'm like, I don't know, so deeply rattled. We, pause this real quick. Pause processing. <laughs> we are all imagining G as a huge black guy, right? Massive. Like a giant, like a stripper handler, right? Like that is, it, like, it's just where all of our minds went, right? Like six foot seven. Paco's nodding, right? Like, I am just assuming he is a strip club bouncer. Like, the, we all know the huge black guy strip club bouncer type. Sure. Right? Probably wearing an unnecessary bow tie at the Capitol building. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just like, all right, keep, all right. End of my life. When I come out, um, and I come out, and this man is a Capitol Police officer. Pause it. But then what? I was right, Mike. That's why I made you listen to that whole thing. I was right. The first thing the police did was like, we should go probably find that hot chick. They're probably going to be looking for her. Three minutes. Three minutes and 34 seconds of everybody's time. Three minutes for them to get, for her to get to the point. First of all, the, the story started with, I just want to point out, is like, there's a stereotype of women being bad storytellers. Right? 
the re- that was an edited video <laughs> of what happened <laughs> in that situation. Now, what you don't even realize is I've seen the longer cut of that video. At one got to be at least an hour and a half long. <coughs> it it was longer than Seven Samurai. It was it was a Kurosawa <laughs> film. <laughs> it's feature uh, length. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um she's talking about in that in, in that video she's like she's like he there was no partner. He didn't identify himself correctly. She's like, "Yeah, like he's also in a riot in a building like he, he, I, I guarantee you, him and G talk, and G's like, "Oh, this bitch crazy," because <laughs> again, I assume G is a six, three hundred and fifty pound, six foot two black man. Ooh, I assume he's big black from Robin Big. Uh, I'm wrong. Uh, his name is Geraldo Bonilla Chavez. Oh, he's definitely a small gay man then, right? <laughs> Can I see a picture? Dude, a triple named fucking uh, Latin man. I he, don't think. But he's also probably an assassin. What's what's that name again? Uh, here, I'll just pull it up for you. Okay. Oh, it's that guy? I don't know. Uncertain. A lot of people are asking this question. Ooh, here we go. Maybe in here. That's too grainy. You can't even tell. I assume it's this guy. All right, so he's not the person I assumed. I thought it was. Got a wedding ring on. It couldn't be him. Oh, wait, no. They can get married now. Asians? (laughs) Hispanics? Who do you not think can get married? Gay men. Oh. What was the name again? Uh, Geraldo Bonilla Chavez. Oh, yeah. That sounds... That's yeah, yeah. He's either uh, great at baseball or murder. Um, <laughs> one of those two things. Um, but he probably talks. He knows that Capitol police officer is probably from their hallway. She probably puts him on the pay you nine mind list. But he probably says what's up to G every day, so he could level with him. I guarantee you. You're not feeling that? Maybe. Well, no, because here's the thing, right? They said a bunch of people were banging on the door, mm-hmm. right? And like they were like, she's not in here. She's not in here. So it's like, I don't know. And then he let one guy in? It's her legislative director. G is her legislative director? Yeah. I don't know what a legislative director is. I don't either. I, I want to find out more about this guy, though. I'm so much more interested in him than any fucking story she... She stinks so much, dude. It's so crazy that she's supposed to be... Have you ever... It's going to be hard to find now. But have you ever seen the video of her and Zuckerberg? Why is it going to be hard to find? There's a crazy video that somebody posted on Twitter of the stuff that didn't make it to the news of her questioning Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. where he was just like... She, she kept asking him if he was at dinner with a white supremacist. And he was like, I don't know, like 150 people were at that dinner. And she was like, so you weren't at dinner with a white supremacist? He was like, was I? You tell me. I don't know. Uh, or Ocasio-Cortez stumps Zuckerberg with questions on far right and Cambridge Analytica? Maybe. Let me take a look at the video. 
got to be this, right? Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, what year and month did you personally first become aware of Cambridge Analytica? Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure of the exact time, but it was probably around the time when it became. Public. By the way, doesn't this just March? This video looks like. Pause it real quick. If you watch, oh, watch the rest of the video. Facebook it looks like two robots. Two robot plants from different factions that are fighting over who will take over America, uh, engaging with one another in a in, in, in a public setting. Just uh, my software is superior. No, my software is superior. Yeah. <laughs> Book COO Cheryl Sandberg become aware of Cambridge Analytica. I, I don't know off the top of my you head. You don't know. Um, did anyone on your leadership team know about Cambridge Analytica prior to the initial report by The Guardian on December 11th, 2015? Uh, Congresswoman, I, I believe so, and that some folks were, were uh, tracking it internally. And you know, I, I Actually, as you're asking this, I, I, I do think I, I was aware of Cambridge Analytica as an entity earlier. Mm -hmm. I, just, I, I don't know if I was tracking how they were using Facebook specifically. When was the issue discussed with your board member, Peter Thiel? So this is the video I'm talking about. So there's, an, there's a part of this that didn't make it to the, so this is from the Guardian, pause this. There's a part of this where, that is, did not make it to the Guardian, where she looks like an idiot. And I watched it once, this is why I knew you weren't gonna find it, because I knew this was the video that was gonna come up. There's a part like where he where like Zuckerberg like his brain breaks for a second, and he's just like what? Because she's like you were at this dinner in uh, 2014, and uh, there was there were. Are you saying you don't know white supremacists? And he was like, not that I know of. Please, like it was like in this weird way of like, please tell me who was a white supremacist there, so I never hang out with them again. I'm trying to find the. Uh... There was like a there was a cut so because somebody clipped it from C-SPAN and it was a because it was a long testimony. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to find it, Mike. Mm. Even even Paco's getting bored now. Okay, I mean, dude, you can you can keep talking about whatever. What were we talking about? We're talking about this how fucking dumb idiot who was fucking I'm not call traumatized. By the police. Well, look, here's the thing. She was traumatized because the cops were coming to fucking check on her. Dude, she wasn't even in the building where the rioters were. I think it was the same. I mean, whatever. No, the, motherfucker, the, the it wasn't. Is, the building is connected. Yes, through an underground tunnel. I mean, rioters can get into an underground tunnel. Bro, have you seen what the actual shit looked like yeah, that I did. day? I did. I did. Okay? Like, let's pump the brakes on her ever actually thinking she was in fucking danger. A, B. I've seen a lot of the criticism that people don't think she she doesn't think she was in danger. What I will refute that with is I know other Puerto Rican women from uptown, <laughs> and they always assume they're in massive amounts of danger, and they're constantly freaking out. Okay. Um. Now I don't want to generalize, but. She's also just not from there. Um, yeah, she's she's from way way uptown. Yeah, like Yorktown. <laughs> it's true. But um, she's from the best Chester as well. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, she, look, she, there's a good chance that we saw the video of the Trump family in the bunker dancing while the shit was going on. So there's a good chance that she knew she was never in danger, correct? Because that whole, the vote was going on in the Senate, and she's a rep. Yeah. So there's a good chance that she was just in her office far away, and then nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it, all right, so I was just reading in here, so it's like that big, there's that big dome-shaped building, which is the Capitol, which is what they actually stormed. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's also, like, another building that's the house, and then another one that's whatever. But, like, her office, it's technically, like, connected in this, but it's like, it'd be a difference between, like, I'd be like saying, oh, I was in building fucking seven. You know what I mean? I mean, it's pretty intense. Agreed. You don't know if they're going to come for you next, but at no point were you actually in imminent fucking danger. Hmm. All right. But they, we had to listen to a three-minute and 30-second-long story. No, but that was to prove that I was right and the cops went right to the hot chick. Yeah, obviously. Because the cops, that's just how cops work. Cops are like, there's a hot chick we could save in here. <laughs> Let's get her. Maybe right. she'll suck our cops. <laughs> I think it's the opposite. I think they were like, hey, there's a hot, big-tittied, loudmouth, far-lefty chick. If there's anyone these animals want to fucking gang rape. It's the same one we want to gang rape. <laughs> Fair. I don't know. It seems like they were just being good cops. And she was being a horrible... Re- like... I'm sorry. How do I trust you? To I think make it's really funny. Decision? So there's a part of the video that they we didn't watch where she's going. She's going. I hid in the bathroom, and I realized I should have hid in the closet. Yeah, she but said that. Bathroom door probably has a lock on it, though. Yeah. Also, here's what's weird, though. She said that they stole. They did get to her office, though, because they stole her shoes. She said that. Was that also fake? Maybe she had a locker in the Senate? That's weird. I don't know, dude. Would you put it past anyone to be like... Oh, dude, if I was... If you have access to the dark web, which I imagine a lot of those rioters do, you steal AOC shoes and sell them for Bitcoin. Like, if there's anything you can get, you could probably get a half a Bitcoin per shoe just for some fucking freaks on the dark web. Okay, this is just this some is, weird ecstasy dealer from Sweden just wants to sniff AOC shoes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just taking, drink champagne out of them. I'm taking those shoes to Silk Road in a heartbeat. Yeah, dude. that's what I'm saying. He's like, I think that's that's the biggest come up in yeah. the whole thing. If you have AOC shoes and you know how to like, yeah, it's like it goes Pelosi's laptop, AOC shoes, yeah, and then the guy who had the podium. No, I think it's AOC shoes, then everything else. No, you're gonna get. Dude, I'll tell you this right now. You know how they say like in art museums, they don't really have security. You can kind of walk out with a painting because where are you gonna fence stolen art? If you know where to get rid of something that you stole from the Capitol building, I think top tier is foot fetish AOC shoes. Because mm. I think the kind of deviant. That's gonna steal. That's gonna want. The podium might be slightly above. I don't think anybody. I guess didn't they say that uh, Russia immediately tried to buy Nancy Pelosi's web uh, laptop? Oh yeah. So maybe that works, but I don't think you want foreign. Like if I'm in the Capitol building and I'm like, what can I steal for money? Because the podium you don't even want to sell for money. You just want to keep that in your house, Mm -hmm. right? Right. I don't want to sell 
Pelosi's laptop to Russia. That seems immoral. Uh, I will sell AOC's shoes to some fucking creep on the Silk Road for Bitcoin. That seems... And like that seems like something One like if I was at a house party at AOC's house, I wouldn't even think it was morally wrong to steal her shoes to sell them to a weirdo in the Silk Road. I mean, one is just legitimately anti-American. The other one is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I would sell AOC's shoes to Putin. No problem. No problem. Uh, no, so I'm looking at it here. Uh, at, as most people know by now, many things were stolen during the terrorist insurrection at the Capitol. Laptops, mail, even the speaker's lectern. Security cameras also picked up a well-disguised fellow about five foot four stealing all of my shoes, for Christ's sake. Unbelievable. Uh, that was a fake tweet. That was a fake tweet. Yeah. So it didn't happen. Yeah. Damn. Thing here. I got so much less respect for the Capitol in- insurrection now. Right? Yeah, it was fake. I, I looked it up in a couple of different places. Yeah, mm. fact check. Ocasio Cortez lost no shoes. Damn, I just wanted to believe that was true. No, nah, dude. She was completely unscathed during it, but she is being the loudest one about. Well, she kind of had to after the thing with Ted Cruz with GameStop. Wait, why did she have to go at Ted Cruz in the first place? Well, she did it, but once she did, once she tweeted out of turn, then people started asking her about it because she was used such dramatic language. I think that's what happens to people, right? Like, that's why Hillary Clinton got called out in that whole thing where she was like, I got shot at in the helicopter. Right. It's like, once you use that kind of dramatic language, people are going to be like, I feel like we would have heard about this if the first lady almost died. And that's why they kind of pushed for it. And so, like, what happened was she was in a war zone, and they, I'm sure, heard gunfire, and it was probably terrifying. Look, that was probably the most terrifying situation Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has ever been in. Um, well, to be, well, she did claim to be raped in the same breath. Right, that was pretty harrowing, probably. Yeah, so if, I mean, if, you know, assuming that that happened, that obviously is. But other than that, this is probably... One of the worst situations she's ever been. She's not like a hood chick. She's not out like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I mean, probably the worst thing that's that's that's. But it's like I don't think, I don't think personally, literally anything happened to her. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it was still probably. I mean, they like look, security coming in when you're a congress like. What's the thing? It's like a, a quote going around. Like, the worst thing that's ever happened to you is still the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Okay, that's fair. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, if this is the crazy, like, you're a, like if you're in this position of safety, it's like a weird thing where it's like, if somebody punches you in the face in your house, it's significantly worse than if somebody punches you in the face on the subway. Because somebody could always punch you in the face in the subway. Right. You know what I mean? Suppose. So she's at work as a congresswoman. She's probably, for the last two years, felt fairly invulnerable. You know what I mean? I mean, she's probably felt... I don't understand at what point in her life she wouldn't feel fucking invulnerable. You know what I mean? She got raped, Mike. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Did that happen? That happened before? I didn't, I didn't see that. No, part. it happened after she told us that whole story. 
No, I meant like after. It happened yesterday. I meant after she became a fucking rep. I don't know when she got sexually assaulted. You think assaulted. you wouldn't know about it? If a fucking congresswoman got raped? Did she say she got raped? I thought she said she got sexually Sex- assaulted. She said she got sexually assaulted. Okay, that could be getting felt up at a fucking party, whatever. Like, Terry Crews got sexually assaulted by that agent guy. Terry Crews a bitch. Let's just... Let's... Oh, it's okay to make fun of Terry Crews for getting sexually assaulted? Yes, he's a man. <laughs> I like I, I firmly believe in double standards on this show. You know that. Yeah. It is absolutely okay to make fun, especially somebody as diesel as Terry Crews, of being like, I got technically assaulted. Why don't you punch the guy? True. You're Terry Crews. You are Terry Crews. You're fucking President Camacho. Break his fucking neck. Mm. I didn't think about that. You're right. Like, a guy grabbed your dick and you didn't headbutt him with that big fucking bald dome. That's on you, bro. It is kind of on you. We're about male empowerment on this show, Mike. I like it. All right, moving on. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out where the fuck my knob is. Because. <laughs> Um, also, I need you to isolate. I'm trying to figure out where the fuck my knob is. I can't isolate it because I was playing the bumper over it. Nope. I'm going to need it's you to... physically impossible with the setup that we have here. Mm. And I'm never saying it again. Mm. I just want to balance out my fucking audio because I feel like I'm only coming through one channel right now. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> we got to talk about um, Joey Bidness, Joe Biden, Jolton, Joe Biden, um... He's the president. Uh, he was on the. Are you talking about forty six? Yeah, four four six. My man. Can you pull up the picture. Uh, this is a great tweet from uh, the blurred lines girl, Emily Ratajkowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you pull? Can you pull this up? From I, I think it's the cover of Vogue magazine. Uh, she goes, "What in the hell is this?" No, what in the fresh hell? Yeah, and it's just pictures. It's British GQ. A British GQ. Okay. Which is uh, Attack of the Hype Week. Imagine on the cover of Attack of the Hype Week, Joe Biden swagger. This is a seventy. This is a seventy-year-old demented man who sniffs children's hair. Swag. Can we, yeah, swag. <laughs> like this, this. This is a man who uh, wrote the most racist piece of legislation post Jim Crow. Swag. Yeah, exactly. This is a guy who plagiarized the plight of Irish coal miners for his own Senate campaign. Swag. There we go. Uh, He's the swagger in chief. He's on the cover of GQ Hype. Uh, Attack of the Hype. This is British GQ. Uh, It's his big fit makeover. I don't like that they're... He's 77, correct? Oh, yeah. Uh... They're using fit instead of outfit. Let's see. Like, let's take a look at some of these outfits. Uh, he's seventy-eight, actually. Ooh, yeah. Uh, bong bong, baby. Now, Mister Rogers, eat your heart out. Doesn't it just seem like they're putting his head on bodies? <laughs> this doesn't look. They're not. He's actually. They got him to go outside. I I have no idea, but this is at the very least green screened. What are what does GQ do? Like, this is insane. He's wearing like a members only. I'm just gonna throw this out there. Looking thick. Look at that, dude. Look at look, look at that butt. Yeah, he is. Uh, 
fucking thick boy right there, dude. These he, are, this is Brendan Schaub's lower half. He's literally like, yo, why don't you uh, Photoshop some ass implants on me? And then now somebody zoomed in. Can you show me the zoom in that I sent you? Uh, yeah, make that a little bigger. And it just says, no way he's built like this. And it just zooms in on the crotch. And they're just like, there's no... You sure they're talking about the dick, not those thick boy thighs? It might be the thighs. It might be the thigh. Also, just the the more I look at this, the more it looks like the fakest thing I've ever seen. It 100% is. I also like the Oval Office with the outfit. Bro, my man has not been photographed in any part of the White House not wearing a mask. But he was like, oh, British GQ? For sure. In the middle of winter, I'll dress up like I'm going to play fucking polo. But why did they do this? Because it's GQ. They can do whatever the fuck they want. This is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the fact that they fucking like, stuffed, it, stuffed his pants just all over. I think, dude, I legit think they just got fucking different male models. I just put Joe Biden on them. Do you don't think that's bizarre for a British magazine to do? I mean, I don't think that. I think that all of this is bizarre. I think treating a fucking politician who's a civil servant like he's a rock star is bizarre. Well, cult of personality around presidents, I guess, started with Clinton. Mm, no, nah, JFK. I guess, right, yeah, JFK, but then it took a little bit of a break. I mean, Nixon had it for sure. Not the same way. People hated Nixon. Mm. Uh, and there were people who liked, like, people, like, but nobody, it wasn't the same as, like, fucking JFK's doing coke, saying we go to the, we do these things because we can. Like, what? What are you saying, dog? He's like, yeah, we're just going to do these things because we can. That's a crazy thing for a president to say. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. He's also, he's fucking Marilyn Monroe. Ask not what your country can do for you. Yeah. Why don't you go out there and do something, bitch? Yeah, exactly. Do something for your country, slut. Um, yeah, it, but then it's like Reagan, I guess. But then it was like really like Clinton. And then like, oh, I, political journalism under Obama became People Magazine. How do you mean? Like political journalists gushed over Obama. And I, I don't know if it's because they saw talk show hosts doing it or whatever. And obviously, there's a cult of personality around Trump. But, like, it just became, it's become this weird thing where it's like now we're back to just having an old, a regular old white guy. Like, Joe Biden's a regular old white guy. Like, Trump was a fucking insane person who, like, was rich his whole life and, like, like a baller, like an old school fucking. Trump lives like Kingpin from Spider Man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, so I get it, but like, now we're just back to having, like, the whole point of Biden was he was an old, he's an old white guy and everything's going to be regular again. It's like, why are we even fucking questioning what's happening? Like, just like, stop trying to make him cool. But what's funny about what you said is like we're looking at these photos. They're clearly fake. And this is like on the heels of the New York Times put out an article uh, about it's called it's titled 
how the Biden administration can help solve our reality crisis. To which they literally suggest, uh, here's the quote. Several experts I spoke with recommended that the Biden administration put together a cross-agency task force to tackle disinformation and domestic extremism, which would be led by something like a reality czar. A reality czar, Mike. What in God's name is a reality czar? I think when you pair it with the mind czar, the power czar, the soul czar, it becomes the, the time infinity. Czar? Yeah, the time czar. Uh, it's one of the infinity czars. Uh, it, here, literally, the next line in this article is: "It sounds a little dystopian. Dystopian, I'll grant, but let's hear them out." No. No, I will not hear out some members of the intelligence community when they say we need something called a reality czar. Yeah, it don't make a damn like a sense. Interviewing a reality star right after this episode. But a reality czar, he's like, I don't really want anything to do with that. I don't want uh, uh, a version of the Osbournes with fucking Putin. All right? I don't want... I don't want that version. I don't want to see the decision-making before Kim Jong-un feeds his uncle to the dogs. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Especially because they're going to play like some sort of wipes, and then they're going to make him look bumbling, and then he's just going to feed his uncle to dogs. Like, I don't need a reality czar. Um, But how can anybody entertain this idea where the government just is in charge of abject facts. Like, you know what I mean? We're going to just, like, the government is going to decide what is factual and what is not factual. That is literally eroding any sense of ever... That's 1984. Yeah. We've always been at war with Eurasia. Yeah, and the... the Because I've said it about COVID already, right? Like... At some point during COVID, they kind of tried to push. No, we were always saying you should wear masks. No, asshole, we have videos because of the internet. Not, not what the realities are in there. Not yeah. what the Ministry of Truth. That real, yeah, that Ministry of Truth realities are. That motherfucker's gonna go in there and be like, "Now let's get these Fauci videos off YouTube, dog." Mm-hmm. Like, we can't have that. What are you talking about? Fauci wasn't even in the country at that time. Yeah, he was in Wuhan. <laughs> um. No, we can't. We can't just a reality. For the, this is the same guy. Have you got? Have you seen this now? They're 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 uh, they reopened literally the same facility that Trump was holding kids in cages, and they're calling it an overflow detainment facility for migrant children. I mean, that's some that's some so solid it, rebranding. That dog. is a quality job mm-hmm. of rebranding. Uh, Look, I'm just saying. Is like you get some, you get a, you get, you get somebody really enjoy, that. Whoever came up with that, he's is probably in line for the realities our job. Mm. That guy's gonna be like, instead of massive famine in Yemen caused by proxy war, uh, helpful Saudis get everyone in Yemen on a diet. <laughs> I put on Twitter is like. Biden just rebranding ICE agents dream catchers. 
That's delightful. Yeah. What like what's the next what is the next move for the realities are? Um hmm. Okay. For profit prison, those are prizes. <laughs> No, we didn't reopen all the for-profit prisons we just closed. We just gave jobs to some fucking layabouts. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't just start a war with a foreign country. We employed a bunch of uh, you know, yeah. just poor whites. It was a corporate merger of our oil fields and their oil fields. <laughs> Turns out we all knows. <sighs> We didn't nuclear bomb Australia. We got rid of a bunch of filthy abos. I still don't think that would fly. Nuclear bombing Australia? No, no, no. The getting rid of the abos thing. You would need to say, like, you know... uh, uh, Turns out... uh, uh, Kangaroos are racist. Yeah. Koala chlamydia fucking jumped... Jump species also. It's the new COVID. We nuked Australia. I had to get rid of it. Look, I had to. You, did you guys want another fucking stay at homesies? No, we can't stay at homesies no more. <laughs> what were we really getting from Australia anyway? Mm. Now yeah. all the shrimp are on the Barbie. <laughs> dude, can I just point out, by the way, dude, speaking of the no homesies anymore, uh, remember when I said... Bitches are going to have dudes out there on Valentine's Day in fucking parkas eating out in the fucking snow. You, you were right. I was wrong uh, because that's the one thing that fucking Cuomo and de Blasio would fucking kowtow to. Uh, is yeah. broads needing to eat a fucking steak inside before yeah. giving out a beach on Valentine's Day. So for February 13th, we're that's getting indoor, indoor dining, dining back. Re- yeah, reopens. I've gotten 75 emails of restaurants already taking reservations for Valentine's Day. I mean, that's standard. Aren't most restaurants usually like booked by now for Valentine's Day? Yes. And they were like a little behind because they didn't know they were going to allow to be open yeah. up until two weeks well, ago. Well, that's so. what I'm saying. He's like, I just like my, no, it's just like they announced it and literally like my fucking entire email just. Yeah. They've been waiting to fire that email because, you know, oh, we're going to let you guys live. Yeah. Nice. We're going to, yeah. We took away New Year's and Christmas from you. Yeah. But we'll we'll give you this one. Look, um, I really I need this bead so you can have Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah, like literally they that's what it was, right? Cuomo and de Blasio knew they were going to get photographed indoors eating somewhere because mm-hmm. somebody was going to snip like a busboy at some they know the cabal restaurants that are open. Oh, that's what we got to talk about. This Time Magazine article. Have you seen the Time Magazine article? What are you looking at? Frankie Edgar. Oh, no. Oh, no! Oh, no! Yeah, Baba. All right, we'll watch that. We're, we're recording this as UFC Fight Night. We'll just... I got my ESPN Plus login. Yeah, we'll, yeah, just, we'll, we'll run that back. All right, yeah. so what was the Cabal article? Uh, it's a Time Magazine, the hidden history of the 2021 election. I'll pull up some choice words from it. But, yeah, this is some reality czar shit. This is what's happening now. We're all they're the rewriting of the world. But uh, Cuomo and de Blasio, like, yeah, they just knew they were going to get fucking photographed eating out because there's no way their wives weren't going out. We're better than them. That's what they'd say. <laughs> I'll tell you this right now. My girlfriend's just like, I'm going on vacation. I don't want to go on vacation because I don't want to get sick. She's like, we're like, we're going to Florida, I guess. 
right after Valentine's Day. And I'm like, I I don't. She was just like, well, I feel like we should go on vacation. I was like, I was like, you're the person with immunity problems. Like, not I don't sure. To be fair. I mean, look, I, I am never one to take a woman's side, as the yeah. opening segment of today's show will prove. However, uh, you yourself have did a weekend at Point Pleasant. That you was did, for work. I, all right, fine. I, this sounds like an argument you may have had once or twice. No, it's why I had to go on vacation. I'm just saying, you've done a fair bit of traveling. In a car. Okay. I'm not driving to Florida. Yeah. That's crazy. You really think the plane is going to be the deciding factor? No. Yeah, so you're just a curmudgeon. I like going on vacation. I just didn't want to go to... I've never... You know I've never set foot in the state of Florida? And you were just trying to keep your track record alive? Yeah, essentially. So why why can't you go to, like, Mexico? I do not trust leaving the country right now. Right. I had, I know a guy who got caught... In, yeah, stuck in Thailand for months. It's fair. Like, I just don't trust it at this moment. Um, <clears throat> but... Reality czar is a bad... Stop watching the fights. Okay. We'll watch them right after. We can watch the whole card in 20 minutes on ESPN Plus without with skipping the pre-fight packages. You know I can't help myself. I'm sorry. God damn it. All right, you know what? What was it? Biden... Reality czar, the Time Magazine history... Of the oh, history yeah. Bring of up the, 20- the Time Magazine article. We got to talk about this. Um... It's a, it's a, such a weird the secret history of the shadow campaign that saved this thing you're talking about? Yes. Okay. So this article is essentially, a lot of people have been talking about it. And so they do like a fair job of skirting around the points, but it's literally just... Um, the Illuminati saved the election, so we deserve thanks. It literally talks about the the United States Chamber of Commerce, which is just big business, being like that we run the risk. Um, we run the risk of this election not having a definitive answer because you know there is a chance of it coming to a tie. It was looking like that, so they put a ton of money. So instead of foreign powers, it was domestic powers who swayed the election for Joe Biden. Essentially is what this is saying. And got behind when Trump started saying, yeah, I think this election is kind of bullshit. These are the people who like got behind it and were just like, yeah, we're not going to like lend money to Trump anymore. Like all these corporate interests came out and told the shows they're sponsoring. Like just say, you know, and like that's why like Fox News got in line and like. Why would you print this article? I just want to read this article now. This is fucking fascinating. It's fucking insane. Look, for more than a year, a loosely organized coalition of operatives scrambled to shore up America's institutions as they came under simultaneous attack from a remorseless pandemic and autocratically inclined president. All right. Let's uh, talk about how retarded that sentence is. Autocratically inclined? Yeah, the guy who didn't invoke the uh, Defense Manufacturing Act, martial law, did not want lockdowns as an autocrat, doesn't make any sense. Not that I'm saying, again, uh, 
I don't think Trump lost. I don't think Trump won the election, rather. Uh, I think Joe Biden won. I think a lot of people just wanted him out because uh, he seemed like he was getting crazier and crazier. Um, and he just wasn't equipped to handle the situation we found ourselves in. Um, whether that was, for, you know, maybe 50 years down the line, it will all come out that, like, really what happened was they just, the political elite just didn't want him involved. So they put, they, they blew, they made COVID out to be worse than it was. I don't know. I, I don't see it right now, but like a loosely based organized, a loosely organized coalition of operative scamble to shore up America's institution as they came under simultaneous attack from remorseless pandemic. America's institutions, uh, meaning the media has seen record profits under COVID. Mm-hmm. The New York times record profits. For like, real? CNN, record ratings, 30-year history. Fox News, record ratings. So why they're justifying it makes no sense. It even says right here, their work touched every aspect of the election. They got states to change voting systems and laws and help secure hundreds of millions in public and private funding. They fended off voter suppression lawsuits, recruited armies of poll workers, and got millions of people to vote by mail for the first time. They successfully pressured social media companies to take a harder line against disinformation and use data-driven strategies to fight viral smears. I don't know what viral smears means, but there's like a lot of vague things. Like, doesn't it, it kind of feels like they're throwing in, here's a couple of good things and a couple of bad things, and we're going to bunch them all together. And there's clearly an abuse of power here, but they did the right thing, kind of. It was for the greater good. This is some real, like, I've talked about Tragedy and Hope on the show before, right? No. The book Tragedy and Hope? I definitely have. Carol Quigley, Bill Clinton's, uh, the guy who nominated Bill Clinton for the Rhodes Scholarship. I've heard you talk about it on HSR before, never on here. Okay, so yeah, if anybody who doesn't know who that is, it's, it, it's the single, there's a book called The Naked Capitalist, which I read when I was younger, which is essentially a, a bridge version of a book called Tragedy and Hope, which was written by a guy named Car- Carol Quigley, who was Bill Clinton's mentor who essentially wrote a 1,300-page book saying that the Illuminati controls everything. Shut up. We're helping you. Um, and it's the, it's the one thing that made me fall into conspiracy theories. It, it's, the main, it's the main thing that made me always like kind of like partially cling to them, the fact that this book exists and is out there and is real and true. But you just can't read it. It's, it's long, Mike. No, but I'm saying... No, you can read it. it exi- they Somebody found it. It exists. But you can get The Naked Capitalist for free, but you can also now buy Tragedy and Hope. Okay. Penguin Publishing, which is the original company that published it, immediately kiboshed it and recalled all the copies. But a couple had gotten out there, and they exist. There are radio interviews with Carol Quigley that exist where he outlines what he's talking about in the book. You can find them. They used to be on YouTube. I don't know if they still are. Probably on Daily Motion or something. Um, if they're not on YouTube. But... It's a it's a weird thing when you're reading this article in Time magazine. It's like these guys are like, yeah, like, no, we totally swayed the election. They're just admitting that a bunch of rich guys in America swayed the election in Time magazine, as the New York Times is talking about Joe Biden appointing a reality star. And we're all just supposed to be like, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I don't think everything's fine. 
Doesn't sound that fun. Right? And like, here's the thing is like, the way the article is written, it's kind of like, oh, thank God those guys did that. And maybe, but I'm not happy. It's like, you know, it's kind of like when, um, remember when it like leaked that um, Trump, they were hiding the actual troop numbers in Afghanistan and Iraq from Donald Trump? No. This was, you can look it up. Um, the, the army was hiding the actual numbers of troops in the Middle East from Donald Trump because, you know, they didn't want him pulling more people out and this and that. And it was, it was sold in the media as this weird thing of, do you see what they have to do because the president's unstable? It was like, wait a second. The U.S. military just admitted that they're lying to a sitting president. You have it? Uh, hold on. And it's like, oh, even if it is for the greater US. good, I don't want to know that the fucking U.S. Army can just lie to the president. Mm. The United States top envoy to the multinational military coalition to defeat ISIS claimed in a recent interview that he dot 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 uh, that he lied to senior government officials about U.S. troop levels in Syria. We were always playing shell games to not make clear to our leadership how many troops we had there. Um, uh, the added the real number of U.S. troops in Syria was a lot more than the several hundred Trump planned on leaving behind following his abrupt withdrawal announcement in December 2018. Trump's decision to withdraw U.S. forces Syria led to the resignation of both Defense Secretary Matt uh, Mattis and Brett McGurk, uh, Jeffrey's predecessor. Blah blah blah. Um, while Trump reiterated his call to withdrawal uh, U.S. forces from northeast Syria that had been an imminent Turkish invasion in October 2019, Jeffrey told Defense One that, for all intents and purposes, there was never a Syria withdrawal. There you go. So they were just violating his orders. Yes. Uh, while troop levels are usually publicly accessible in the Defense Manpower Data Center, the Trump administration on March 17 stopped disclosing the size and nature of U.S. deployment of troops. Troops flying into both countries as part of the fight against ISIS there. I'm just saying. It amounts to the U.S. military lying to the president, correct? Yeah. I. That's not good. Whether you hate Trump or not, you don't want to know that the U.S. military can just decide to lie to a sitting president. Well, I don't think it was the military itself. I think it was this one envoy who was, like, in charge of this mission. And he got away with it. Yeah. That article is probably praising him. Uh, well, no, this one was... What's that article? It's from taskandpurpose.com, which I think is a military website, so okay. I don't think that was a... Um, I'm just saying, is like, I read a bunch of articles praising the move, and it's fucking insane. Yeah, I mean, that that is, you're the commander-in-chief. You're supposed to know everything about your army at all times. It's like if, it, literally at this point, we are solely trading on our superpower status because of the army that we command. Like, mm. you're, the, the guy who's in charge of that should know all the pieces of that. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's the commander, yeah. Probably. It's probably... <sighs> I just I don't like the idea. I just don't like the idea that we're just like 
Yeah, no, like we want to go. Like it's like everybody's just like, yeah, we want to go back to Cabal's running things. So like you know, it's like I said, I've said on the show that so many people were just like, I saw multiple news people be like, it's great the Biden administration is going to be boring. It's like, but are they still going to be killing all those people? <laughs> they are. Yeah, but like. He's not going to say mean things about Mexicans, so we don't have to care that he's killing all those people. It's fucking crazy. Right? Like, it is a weird thing. Everybody keeps talking about that, um, uh, the chick Saki that we've talked about, the redhead. Yeah. People are fanboying over her on fucking Twitter. Are they really? I saw, yeah, a couple of people. I've seen the opposite. I've seen people gushing over her. I've seen, like, the right hates her. The right does hate her. Like, violently. But a lot of people are gushing over this bitch, mm. like the left. Like, and uh, look, I'll say this again: very hot. Okay, hotter than the blonde that Trump had in there. I disagree, but okay, you're wrong. It doesn't matter. You're, you're not even a little significantly. Right. You're hot. just bound to the freckles. That's not true. She's significantly hotter, better tits. Pull pictures of both of them. Less makeup. I don't like that fucking sharp downturn nose on a press secretary or any woman. I don't know, dude. Significantly hotter. I mean, okay, Jen. Pull him up. Saki, hold on. Yeah. It's with a P, some sort of Greek or something. Yeah. I mean, dude, this is this is Ron Weasley's like not hot sister. I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know who Ron Weasley is, so it doesn't affect me. Read your Harry Potter books, bitch. I will um, never. Trump. Press secretary. Read a Harry Potter book. Those books are just written to make children feel good about themselves. That's why they're so big. No, nah, dude. You're bugging. Harry Those Potter. Those books rule. You're really going to compare this angel to this see. fucking see the two bridge troll. Side by side. This is crazy. Yeah, right. you got to show the titties. Okay. Fucking, I'll show the titties, and then I'll like give you the riddles three that you're going to need to get to All get right, now let me see, let me see the other chick. Let me see the other chick. Look at her. She's just, it's just more makeup. Just show me her without makeup. The other chick's that. not wearing a lot of makeup. Look at that. It's a cross, too. Mm. She's just wearing mad makeup. No, she's a woman of God. Okay. She's, she's dumb as hell. Uh, you can tell. Look, yeah, being dumb is hot. I'll yes. give you that. Thank you. That's, yes. Thank you. We're in agreement. Being smart is hot sometimes, but being uh, dumb, always hot. Occasionally, but come on. come on. Come on now. You can't find me a picture where she's as dressed down. Whatever. She got flawless skin. These are filtered. Come on. Bro, she got the fucking curls in the hair. She's hot. This chick? Are you kidding me? I think she's hotter are just because she's not me? trying. I think she's hotter because she's not trying. On what planet, dude? Big titties. Bro, do you know gravity is a fucking nightmare for those things when the bra's off? I'm still into it. I think you're way off here. All right, I I get that. I guess you legit. You have a thing for gilfs now. Gilf, you going gilf? That's a gilf, dog. That's a gilf in in porn. That's she's going by gilf. It's her and Nina Hartley. She's got to be younger than Nina Hartley. Mm. How old is Nina Hartley? I mean, look. If it was this one, if it was this redhead, yes, obviously. Oh, for sure. Right. That's not even a question. I'll tell you this. Though, I'll take both of them. Her? Yeah, better. Come on now. It's more natural, bro. Bro, she's got makeup on. Not like a caked on 
TV show makeup. What is this? And she's a fucking traitor, too, with her fucking goofball-ass pink Russian Hell hat. yeah, fucking yeah. You trade these balls in your mouth. Who is this? Why is she not my press secretary? Your press secretary, Mike? Yeah. My America. My president is white. His fucking Lambo is, uh, what, uh, pink? What did GQ tell us yeah, about his like... fucking whip? His fucking coffee is Starbucks and his shorts are pastel. Oh, those shorts were rough. It's a rough situation. Versus her. She's an angel, Chris. An angel. Chris, she's an angel. That bitch looks awful in the morning. I'm going to tell you this right now. Mm-hmm. You wake up next to that chick, eyelash on the, still on the pillow, mm-hmm. fucking all smeared up pillowcase. Kay. She's like, where's my coffee? You're like, God, you're, her breath smells like cock uh-huh. if no, she no, didn't no, blow no. I'm not even letting her, I'm not, I'm not letting her finish the sentence. I'm already in the kitchen making her coffee. She, it's just not good. Because I don't think it's good. I don't think it's good. And I like this look. This is not a look I hate. She's just not pulling it off. You're, 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 oh, you're a fan of the fucking Fox News blonde? Yeah, obviously. Every guy is. Yeah, but not this one. You're, you are just trying to win an argument at this point. No. This. I'm, I'm not into it. Yeah. This. Way more. Look at that. That this. bitch looks like she'll suck your balls out of your dick hole. What? On um, what? She point? is going to angry fuck you. She's going to hold you by the forehead and take the cum from you. Yeah, only in the sense that, like, she is the f- grown up female version of Chucky, right? But, yeah. like, no, I'm not down for that level. She's going to put a butcher knife to your fucking perineum mm-hmm. and coax the semen out of your fucking <laughs> dickhole. Right. Angrily. This chick definitely was getting gangbanged in college. For sure. And yeah, then she probably. found God. And then she found God. She didn't find God. What's that cross doing then? It's not big enough to hold Coke. So what's the cross doing? She found God. I'm sure that's what she tells her husband, Mike. Mm-hmm. When she's waking up at my place. Moving on. All right. Before we go, um, I want to... Uh, I want to talk about this. Somebody sent this to me, and we're gonna get we're gonna go deeper into this. But we were talking about um, a man called rape last week. Mm. Um, yeah, we were. Yeah, a, a, a man from Adam Waffen named rape, and we keep talking about these more excessive white supremacist groups on the show mm-hmm. um, because we think the Proud Boys are a bunch of pussies, right? That's, Which the and snitches and snitches. They're snitches and pussies, and then the Boogaloo Boys are just a meme. And like we're just kind of just like yeah you know, like if you're gonna go white supremacist go hard in the paint you know what I mean Adam Waffen is terrifying right um, they're trying to poison water supplies they're recruiting directly from the military they have men named rape they have a man named rape who's not even he wasn't even he was he a capo he was like a a lieutenant yeah he was something a man named rape was like their fucking bebop and rocksteady you know what I mean like he mm-hmm. wasn't the top dog no. No, he was a he was a fucking like he wasn't a foot soldier. He was a central player. No, yeah, he was like bebop or and or rocksteady. Right. He was the muscle. Mm. That's what I'm saying. That's a terrifying group of individuals. But so um, somebody who listens to the show sent me something about there's a uh, these are they're affiliated. Oh wait, no, he was a leader. Oh, but he's well, not the leader. I mean, he's been arrested too, so I don't have to worry about this anymore. Rape's not coming for us. He's behind bars. He's doing what he's God put him on this earth to do. Raping. <laughs> um, so there's there's 
Another group... He allegedly participated in a swatting campaign targeting politicians, journalists, and a historically black church. God. A swatting campaign? Yeah, rape rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they also... Somebody sent me this. They were like, yeah, you guys talk about this. Maybe be interested in this. The Order of the Nine Angles. Um, they're from, they started... It's a, it's a white supremacist Satanist group... <laughs> So it's oh, just okay, and they, they consider themselves classical Satanists in that uh, they're not these newfangled Satanists where they think that just like uh, where they're really just nihilists, but they use the term Satanism so they can like put a statue of Satan in front of a courthouse, and then they don't go. Oh wait, no, they pay taxes. <coughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, but it's not that kind of bullshit Satanism. They they're actually believe the that the Dark Lord that pays taxes. Yeah, but they no Satan. Scientology. No, they don't. In Sci- England, they do. All right, whatever. Where this place was founded. Um, Scientology has hardcore tax exempt status. Leah Remini did like four seasons trying to fix that. Mm, what an idiot. That show oh. sucks, by the way. You watched four seasons before you realized Dude, that? Dude, Eric loves that show. The Leah... <laughs> I'm not even gonna fucking. It's just always on in his room. We're talking about. We're talking about the Order of the Nine Angels, the yeah. Nazi Satanist. Uh, Nine angles. They'll Nine get, angles. Get it right. They're gonna come over here and Satanize us. Sorry. Uh, They're available on Pandora. Just FYI. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm sure uh, it's gonna be like. Remember those Gregorian chant CDs that sold millions of copies in the late '90s? Legitimately creepy. I don't like that. Yeah, it even sounds a little like, bit. The yeah, invocation of the worm. Uh, so yeah, I just went to their Wikipedia page real quick, and it says, uh, "Cosmology, Ionic cosmology, and Nazism." Um, they seem to believe uh, that uh, an Aryan race will span the galaxy and control the entire thing. Uh, through the power of Satan. So these guys are like white power Scientologists. They are exact, ex- exactly. They're just like, you know what to make Scientology better? <laughs> Being Nazis. <laughs> if you Google image them, so we, we Google imaged Adam Waffen, and those guys are terrifying looking, mm-hmm. and they're just like, oh, oh. But you Google image uh, Order of the Nine Angles, you know, look it up. Yeah, I just got to write down. Okay. Oh, God. Yeah. But there's, yeah, exactly. There is very few images of the actual members. Looks like this guy's had his eyes cut out and replaced with doll's eyes. Yes. Uh, They all look very dead-eyed because they fucking believe that Aryan society shall colonize the Milky Way galaxy. Uh, Well, I mean, they have this. They're, you know. Yeah, that's their nine-angle pendant. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: is like you can get away with rocking that. This they is so much scarier than regular Nazi shit. Mm. Imagine you saw somebody wearing that. Now that you know what the nine-angle fucking cross looks like, that's so much scarier than knowing a motherfucker is just a Nazi. Just like, all right, one, uh, yeah, we co-opted the uh, you know symbol for peace in India or whatever, and turned yeah. it into a hate sign. These guys uh, were like, we made a fucking terrifying thing that you should fear. We took the pentagram and made it scarier. Yeah, we <laughs> added more stuff. <laughs> we were gonna do times two, but that would make it an even number, and that's not scary enough. <laughs> 
So are they are they descended from the Adam Waffen? No, they're just allied with the Adam Waffen. Um, hold on, let me pull it. So they, uh, yeah, they're they're just they're they're closely linked to them. But I think even Adam Waffen is like those guys are a little nuts. Hmm. Those guys uh, worship Satan and aliens. I'm gonna do some more reading about these guys. We'll talk a lot more about it next week. Um, I would like to interview one of these guys. Uh, here's what I've found from like very basic research is they do interviews. Dog. You said like three weeks ago you would interview Hitler, which means you would definitely interview these guys. Oh, I'd rather. <laughs> Obviously. This is like the shit that I'm interested in talking to Hitler about. Like he was like searching for the spear of destiny. You know about that, right? No. Like Hitler was actually like into occult shit because, he, and they claim they're, they're not a cult, but like Hitler Wanted to find. Like they the claim spe- they're not a cult. They claim they're not a cult, but, but they, they believe wanna- that Satan will help them colonize the galaxy in the proper Aryan way. Yes, I know, Mike. It, they, I didn't say they were smart. I really want to talk. I to I said these they guys were now. terrifying. <laughs> the fact that you don't think you're in a cult organization means you don't care about definitions of the things you're doing. I respect it. Yeah. But obviously, you don't know about, like, yeah, Hitler was, like, really into, like, there's, like, a bunch of stuff about, like, Hitler was trying to find werewolves. He thought they were real. Like, he was trying to find the spear that killed Christ because he thought it would help him conquer the world. He was also trying to fucking mate women with apes. Or, no, maybe that was Stalin. One or the other was... Like, Where did Stalin find apes in the tundra? I don't know. <laughs> fucking whatever. I'm sure he found apes. You can get an ape. Yeah, true. Yo, if you're Stalin, yeah, if you're you can... one, if you're if you're in charge of one of the two superpowers, you could probably get an ape. Oh yeah, Russian ape army was uh was Russian. All right, forget it. It didn't work. No, no. <laughs> he just saw Planet of the Apes high, and was like, "Yo, we could do that though." Uh, yes, yeah. It was, yeah it was Imagine Stalin, you're St- one of Stalin's guys, and he comes to you and goes, "Bro, ape army." <laughs> And you're just sitting there like, what? He's like, bro, fucking ape army. Let's do this. And then you just got to be like, all right, guys, I guess. uh, Where do we get apes? I'm pretty (laughs) sure Africa doesn't want to trade with us. Um, Uh, So they got them from uh, Guinea in uh, French West Africa. Okay. I'm looking at it here. 1926. It was a Russian biologist. He like went to Stalin. And Stalin was like, hey, "Yeah, go for it. Knock yourself out." Stalin was just drunk watching Mighty Joe Young. <laughs> I think this will work. <laughs> uh, five women offered to carry half ape babies in the interest of science. They just wanted that ape D. Yeah, that that's. They literally just were like, "Well, there's no black guys in Russia." <laughs> Oh, and they're Christ, just fe- Christ, they were just we fe- they were just fetishizing. We got uh, they were racist, not me. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Not not me. Uh, no, but I was uh, I was talking to some guy the other day, uh, and he was like making this point that like, is it were Nazis actually occultist, or is that something we put on Nazis to be like, oh well, no normal human beings could you know perpetuate this kind of atrocity on their fellow man. Like, look, I'm sure at some point the history books will all like the Bohemian Grove thing will be part of history when this empire falls, and they'll fair. talk, and there'll be people that kind of talk about it the same way we're kind of talking about the Nazis and the occult because mm. it just exists in all these like power vacuum places. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, 
I just want to point out again that I was not racist for that ape thing. It was the women in Russia. When it was part of, I told the story about my friend Nolan with the Russian lady. I told that story on the show. Nolan with the Russian? My, Wait, with the at the bar? No, he, she was like, she fuck. He was fucking this lady from Russia, and she was like, "Yeah, you have gun. You have gun. No, you you never you you gangbanger. You have gun." And he, she was like, "Yeah, she was crazy." She kind of just, and I was like, I, and I literally just go to her like Nolan. She's only ever seen 50 Cent. That's the only black person she knows exists. You're also a jacked black dude. She just wanted you to be like that. She is a racist, and it ruined his entire great sexual experience with this crazy Russian lady. Wait, so he thought that was a positive thing? He thought she was just a crazy freak. And I was like, no, she's a racist. She's not necessarily racist. She's sheltered. It's a difference. She's a fetishizing racist. Is it whatever? She's met two black guys ever. One on her TV in 50 Cent. The other one, a, a, apparently a jacked black guy with the unfortunate name of Nolan. You tell him his name is unfortunate. It'll break your fucking head. I've never met him and I never will. Huge dude. Yeah. I'm going to be like, yo, what's up, N? I'm not calling you Nolan. Uh. <laughs> so you're to call him N? That's going to work out better for you? I'm not calling a jacked black guy Nolan. That's crazy. So call them in. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> All right. You can follow the show. Follow me at Chris from BKLYN on Twitter. Follow Mike the M Harrington. Uh, you know, uh, you can also email the show at ask ask the goon at gmail.com. If you need life advice, I will give you life advice. Uh, obviously, stay tuned for uh, my interview with Eliza Orleans at the end of this. Uh, she uh, hopefully will become the next Manhattan District Attorney. And um, and Mrs. Mike Harrington. Oh, and Mike Harrington has a huge crush on her. <laughs> so hopefully she's listening to the whole episode, not that last part. Um, <laughs> but most of the episode and then skipped ahead so she hears the part where Mike likes her. And she'll, you know, follow him back on Instagram. Um, but yeah, listen to the interview. It's great. Uh, you can follow her at Eliza Orleans on Twitter and go to ElizaOrleans.com. You can really check out her decriminalization of sex work, legalization of drugs. Uh, she wants to uh, she wants to create a conviction review board. It, it, she has got some she's got an interesting platform that she's running for. Check that out. Uh, yeah, that's been the show. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars if you can. If not, We'll take four. Good night. All right, everybody. I'm talking to Eliza Orleans. Uh, she's running for a Manhattan district attorney. Thank you for doing the show. Very much uh, appreciate you being here. How are you doing today? Good, good. Great to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And uh, we actually uh, became aware of you through Ginger Banks, who is an adult star, who is mutual, you're friends with. Uh, and It's because uh, you are a pro-sex work candidate uh for manhattan da which is a which is a huge change from what you'll normally see and there's been talk in new york state of decriminalize decriminalization of uh prostitution and sex work in new york and i'm just curious how you would act on that in manhattan well so the problem is when people use the word decriminalization, mm -hmm. I think right now it's being weaponized by folks who are really not in favor of decriminalization. These are people who are 
really advocating for what is still a prohibitionist model, you know, what they call the Nordic model, the Swedish model, the mm -hmm. equality model, but but it still is prohibition. Um, and so I've connected with Ginger and with tons of other sex workers because I've kind of looked to them to guide me through figuring out how to release this policy, which is, I'm proud to say, the most detailed policy on decriminalization of sex work of any candidate in the United States right now. So um, that's, you know, it's something that I've always spoken out about. I've been like a proud ally um, to sex workers, to the sex work community. Um, and I think that the only way to and the stigmatization, the marginalization, the the continued over-policing and over-prosecution of those communities is by the full decriminalization of consensual sex work. Now, when you say full decriminalization, you mean legalization, essentially. So I don't. Those are like kind of two separate things. Legalization mm. would mean would still mean that prosecutors could prosecute people who maybe didn't have the proper licensing, didn't have the proper, mm. you know, business zoning this that the other you know legalization puts other barriers to entry and still gives prosecutors and police power to continue to prosecute people for doing their job um mm -hmm. it excludes people who are maybe non-citizens it excludes people you know who who are undocumented so decriminalization is just the ending of prosecution of um people who are engaging in consensual sex work but you know i think there's a great example like somebody said well the, the people who are nordic model advocates who are who are still advocating for this prohibitionist model um are the ones who are saying well we're not going to prosecute the people who are selling sex but the buyers we're going to continue to prosecute mm -hmm. as though that really makes a difference in the way in which people are are able to do their jobs in fact it actually makes people who are engaging in sex work less safe it doesn't enable them to vet their customers it doesn't enable mm -hmm. them to to you know be protected from police violence because if police are still pursuing their customers mm -hmm. then of course they're still going to be in danger of being targeted by the police so you know criminalizing sex work has made everyone less safe um, for many years. And, and I think that just like other prohibitionist models that we've seen with, you know, with alcohol, with marijuana, with other drugs, it's not working. And, um, you know, I think that the criminalization doesn't prevent the behavior. And then meanwhile, it creates black markets, it puts people in jeopardy and in danger and, and also prevents them from getting you know, medical care or reporting mm -hmm. abuse or violence against them. So, I mean, it's it's pretty clear when you actually sit down and talk to sex workers that the only just policy is full decriminalization of consensual sex work. Okay. And now that model that you're talking about, that star I remember when that started in Sweden, I had a friend, uh, she lived and she was, she, they were touting it as kind of a progressive uh, policy where they were just going after Johns and not the women participating in it, but I, I would imagine now you've reduced the pool of customers to those willing to commit crimes, which is probably a little bit of a dangerous, more dangerous situation. Well, and also it means that the person who you're, who is purchasing sex work, you know, you can't vet them. They're going to be much more, um, they're going to be reserved to, to Right. They're not going to want to provide their name. They're not mm -hmm. going to want to provide references. Like these are people who then are going to have to worry about criminal prosecution. Mm -hmm. Okay. But like, so a, a big, this is something I was curious about um, because I'm always for the more freedom of two people consenting adults want, want to do anything they want. I'm fine with it as long as they're not hurting a third party. 
But um, the the number one uh, criticism of sex work tends to be nowadays human trafficking and things like that. Do you is there a way to still crack down on that with a decriminalization policy like the one you're talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually think that, you know, people can check out my platform on my website. It's elizaorleans.com. But Mm -hmm. we are really clear to draw a distinction between sex work and sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And my decriminalization, you know, declining to prosecute people engaging in consensual sex work does not mean that I will not aggressively prosecute sex traffickers. Mm -hmm. You know, sex trafficking means that, that somebody is being, I've brought into this work through um, force, fraud, coercion, and that is distinct from sex work, you know, which is, you know, sexual activity between consenting adults without any force, fraud, or coercion. And so, you know, it's, it's something that is incredibly important to talk about because trafficking, human trafficking, because, you know, people talk a lot about sex trafficking and fear monger with regards to it, but human trafficking occurs in all sorts of industries, you know, in labor, et cetera. And, and human trafficking is something that we will aggressively go after. Um, but I, I think the conflation of the two is, is really, um, you know, just a way in which uh, people try to continue to stigmatize sex work. I would think it would make it easier for women to come forward, victims of trafficking who are trafficked for sex work. If, you're, if they aren't fearful of prosecution... Right. If there's no way to prosecute them, then they could testify against essentially these abusers that put them in the situation. Exactly. Exactly. So so exactly. So when someone is being trafficked, you know, the fear of coming forward when it, they're afraid of their own prosecution, you know, maybe they're afraid of deportation, maybe they're afraid of other things, mm. you know, with this criminalization, it really does push push this industry further underground. It, it makes people who are afraid of arrest, you know, not be able to come forward. And I think it makes it so dangerous for, for everyone involved. And I think the thing that we should be doing is prosecuting traffickers. But mm-hmm. I also think it's important to draw a distinction between actual trafficking and what sometimes gets lumped in as trafficking, which is just, you know, helping out someone else um, who is your colleague at work, mm-hmm. you know, allowing someone to share your home or giving someone a ride to work, you know, those things which can fall under the criminal statutes of, of trafficking really are not trafficking, um, not in any meaningful way. You know, I mean, if you think about, you know, heroes in the movement, like Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson, you know, they created Star House, they protected young trans women and sex workers. And under the law right now, they could be arrested and prosecuted for trafficking just for showing kindness and keeping people safe. For providing board, room and board? Mm-hmm. Yep, really? for working together, for providing, yep. That, so, and it's, they, it, how, how does that work? Just because they're providing the house or they're moving people around or whatever, giving somebody a ride would count as trafficking? Exactly. So, you know, we should be focusing on prosecutions of actual human traffickers, of people who are doing things, who are forcing or coercing someone against their will to do something they don't want to do, not not people who are trying to survive and trying to keep one another safe. Mm. 
Okay. And you you have a, a policy on your website, uh, again, ElizaOrleans.com, uh, that you, you want to do a similar thing for uh, drug possession, correct? A complete decriminalization of all drugs. And again, not a legalization thing, just a pure decriminalization. Yeah, well, that is something that, you know, I'm hopeful that we will head towards a, you know, full decriminalization of all drugs um, and, you know, legalization one day because, I mean, the war on drugs has been an abject failure, has been nothing more than a war on people, has really over-prosecuted, over-incarcerated black and brown people, specifically lower-income people, people who are LGBTQIA, you know, people with disabilities, and has really just led to mass incarceration in this country. And so, you know, ideally, we will get towards full legalization of all drugs. But for Mm -hmm. the meantime, um, you know, cannabis should be fully legal Mm -hmm. and we should be reinvesting in communities that have been most hurt by the the war on drugs. And we should be decriminalizing all drugs. I will not prosecute drug possession. Of of any uh, form or, well, I think, well, so I kind of agree with you that we need to get to full narcotic I I mean, I completely agree with you that we need to get to full narcotic legalization. It's a weird thing um, because we just, whatever, I, I had a very, an issue with the current president because I was talking about, I talked about it on the show a few weeks back, where it's like, when I was a kid, my mom was addicted to drugs. She, she had a severe addiction. And I remember the moment that hugs, not drugs went out the fucking window when I realized that it was the stigmatization of drug use that was keeping her lying. And I remember being a child and knowing when I changed my opinion on that. And I honestly think the president of the United States who wrote the laws that hurt these people should have to sit down and explain to us when his, when, what was his moment where he changed his mind because he said he's changed his mind. And that's where the conversation has to come from is from higher Mm -hmm. up leadership. And I love hearing it from any politician saying this, because again, it, it directly affected my life. I grew up in New York city, um, and it, it completely affected who I am as a person. And I want, I need anybody who's flip flopping on this in any way, shape, or form, I want them to be, especially if they were aggressive about it in the past, I want to hear from them what changed their mind because it's going to, if they've actually changed their mind, it's going to be a horrific story. And I just am curious like, have you always had these viewpoints? And if not, what changed your mind on them? That's a great question. Um, you know, I don't remember any, I mean, I do, I guess I remember in elementary school, you know, just say no campaigns and, and you know, trying to convince children not to engage with drugs. But, but it wasn't really until I think I, you know, started probably college when I was, you know, when I was a teen, I was a teenager and I interned at, you know, the public defender's office in Manhattan where I ended up you know, where I've spent my entire career working now. And I saw the way in which people were treated who were suffering from substance use disorder or who were dealing with an addiction issue. And they were just dragged into the courthouse, you know, in handcuffs. They they were unwell. They looked, you know, they they were obviously struggling. And then they were charged with crimes. They were put in jail. They were forced to plead guilty. They were dealing with withdrawal. They were dealing with other things. And they were given no help. No one cared. And it was just like, absolutely mind-blowing and i was like how could this be the way in which we handle people who are dealing with with a substance use disorder like why is that in any way okay and 
you know, I, I think the same, I felt the same way about people who were dragged in, who were engaging in sex work. And I, you know, sat there across from people who were dealing with, you know, these issues or who were working or who were dealing with mental health issues. And I watched the way the system treated them and just cycled them through and locked them up in a way that A, didn't address any of the underlying issues, B, didn't keep us safe, C, upended their lives in ways that like you couldn't imagine, you know, people would lose their jobs, lose their homes, lose their children to foster care. And for what, like this system of incarceration is not helping anyone. So, you know, I I think I've known this for a long time. I've been speaking out about these issues long before it was popular. I looked back and like the first time I was talking about these issues, um, you know, of legalization was, I think I was tweeting about it in 2010, which like to say it was like not a popular opinion in 2010 was like, would be an understatement. And I'm really glad that now so many people have come around to being like, wow, we should be dealing with you know, substance use disorder as the public health issue it is, um, or we should be, you know, decriminalizing sex work and allowing people to do their job. I mean, like people are like parroting my phrase, you know, people are saying in my race, even who, who are running mm-hmm. against me, who've never cared about these issues, never been in the streets marching and, and fighting for the decriminalization of sex work, who are now like sex work is work. And it's like, great. I'm so glad if you really came around. Yeah, to I mean, it's position. called a blowjob. It's work. We all have known that forever. <laughs> We have all always known that it's work. I mean, come on now. I mean, look, I've been yeah. in a strip club. I've seen very fat men in there. It is certainly work. <laughs> they, <laughs> but they, listen, they have an people odor. Are like, well, but the people who say, oh, well, that can't be work because, you know, the, the people take this like paternalistic view and they're like, well, it, you know, you can't possibly be choosing to engage in that work. And it's like, yes, yes, people are. Yeah. And have you ever sat down and talked to anyone you know, and maybe they'd rather be doing that than, than, you know, picking up feces in a bathroom. But we don't say that, that people who clean bathrooms are not engaging in real work because it's, mm-hmm. it somehow does something that they don't like that you don't think it's, you know, it's like this yeah. really, really weird thing that we've like stigmatized and criminalized, like these behaviors that, that people in society are like, oh, I don't like this thing. What's an interesting thing with the sex work thing, because I've been thinking about it a lot, just like almost from like, it's almost funny how, like, I feel like so much of the stigmatization of sex work went out the window when COVID happened and half the country started OnlyFans accounts. Like, and I'm wondering, yeah. like, does, is, is that something that you think can really move this forward? Just the fact that, like, I mean, there was, we talked about it on the show a few weeks back. There was, um, there was a, a an EMT. And it's, it's yep. if you know about EMTs say, in New York, was- I'm sure you know how criminally underpaid EMTs are, especially for private companies. And yeah, she got the post dragged her. I forget the girl's I, name. I mean, the New York Post. Yep. We, we don't even need to bring up her name because mm-hmm. she, you know, she should be able to do her job in private. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, her life was upended when the New York Post attacked her. They've actually attacked me twice in the last week, but I take it as a compliment because if the New York Post is against me, that means I'm doing something right. Um, but, but the, that was, you know, I tweeted about it when that came up and AOC even tweeted about it. And I, I think that there are a lot of things that have really brought the, you know, sex work decriminalization movement and the destigmatization of it, you know, to the national stage, to the forefront and releasing this policy, you know, that so many sex workers and, and sex work allies and advocates have like helped us on really was this such a clarifying moment because we got such overwhelmingly positive support. Like Mm. so many people just said how excited they were to see this and and the response was so fantastic. Of course, there are the people who are awful and and don't respond well, but like really it was such overwhelming support. Um, And it really makes, makes me 
very hopeful about what the future holds. Do you worry at all about, um, at a time when you're talking about not legalizing, but especially decriminalizing and not regulating sex work, at a time when we're literally not supposed to touch each other, is that is that a is that an additional hurdle, or are people just more open? To, has it has it hurt the movement at all, or is it is it just opened up because people are sitting at home and can actually contemplate these issues now? Well, it's an interesting question. I think the at the heart of it, it's kind of saying, well, will if if sex work is decriminalized in Manhattan, you know, if you mm-hmm. when you become district attorney and people, you know, it's you say you're not going to prosecute it, will will it increase? The number of people who are engaging in it. And the truth is, like, when you look at all the places where they've actually enacted full decriminalization, places like New Zealand um, and other places, you know, there were, they have years of data now because they mm-hmm. they did this, you know, long ago. We're, we're, we're lagging behind here, but mm-hmm. they have analyzed that data. And it turns out that, you know, the sex industry has not increased in size. And, you know, all of these things that people were fear-mongering about beforehand, you know, really have not come to fruition. And so like, there's really no, you know, no suggest, like all these suggestions that like, it will create some boom in the industry is like, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's a little misplaced and it's really just fear-mongering to try to continue to- well, What are some of the other, you know, well, uh, besides obviously growth of the industry, like what are some of the things that people are af- afraid of? Because I'm sure they're framing this Oftentimes, they're they're framing uh, anything that's anti-sex work as a protection of the girls working, and is that a lot of what it is? Are they worried that that like the mistreatment of the women take uh, partaking in the work would be mistreated, or are they worried about you know the old school nineteen fifties? If we legalize prostitution, our young men won't will stop being productive. Situation will it erode the family? Kind of nonsense. To be honest, you'd have to ask them. I mean, I don't understand it because for me, like I fundamentally disagree with that position. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we know from from all of the data that's out there that anything besides full decriminalization, like this Nordic model, like, oh, we're here to protect you, you women, it increases violence, it increases police coercion, you know, it creates underground markets, it leads to violence. It it's just, you know, I mean, first of all, even right now, like under like full criminalization of sex work and partial criminalization under Nordic model would still like it's never discouraged people from engaging in it, nor mm-hmm. will it ever. Mm-hmm. And we need to just stop criminalizing the choices people are making with their own bodies and focus on public health, focus on fighting actual people who are engaging in trafficking. And, you know, I, I think like it's so important that these advocates have been on the ground doing this work for years and years to like have gotten us to this place where someone like me can come in with a national platform and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how we're going to build a safer, healthier, more equitable New York and have it be this thing that that people are really paying attention to and that people agree with and are excited about. Well, one thing that you're talking about that I think is great is I, I don't quite understand it, but I, it, just the idea of a conviction review board, whereas even after somebody's been convicted of something, you're going to be there's going to be a, a chance to have those overturned more easily. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. And just in general, what you think about, I think we need to stop sealing records for just juveniles. I think if you've got enough time after a conviction, I think that's a massive disservice we do in this country to our just 
we've got the most people locked up and then we're just like, yeah, can you believe the recidivism rate? You're like, yeah, now they can't get jobs, asshole. The internet exists. Like Exactly. And, so it's like would your would your review sit uh would your review board add to that as well or is it obviously if you have the conviction overturned, it's overturned. It, it won't come up in a it won't come up in um a background check or anything like that, would it? Right, exactly. But also, you know, my one of the things on our policy is that we want to vacate all convictions for all of the things that we are no longer going to prosecute. Mm -hmm. So things like if you have a prior conviction for sex work, that should be vacated. If you have a prior conviction for drug possession, that should be vacated because these are all things I'm not going to prosecute along with like, you know, dozens and dozens of other you know, misdemeanors, low level felonies, like these are things that should not be on your record. And we should have a ceiling statute, you know, we should have that. But I also think, you know, far too often, the, the criminal legal system does get it wrong. And that's unacceptable. Um, you know, and I think that yes, like wrongful convictions often, you know, units often focus on exonerations, which are obviously, you know, of paramount importance, but also, we should be reviewing and you know, undertaking, like having a look back at and trying to protect against anything that is, you know, an, an undue or unlawful sentence or something that's, you know, shouldn't have been a conviction or shouldn't have been a prosecution in the first place. And so I think like it, a lot of these conviction review units that exist right now, like look back at cases where the damage was done decades ago, or, mm -hmm. you know, it's like years and years ago. And, and, so the damage has already been done and they're like basically these cold case units. Whereas, you know, what I am proposing, what I want to do when I, when I get into office is have a unit that is in fact reviewing cases as they are going on. And it's a fully independent unit, you know, separate from the rest of the DA's office. And it would really be, um, kind of groundbreaking in that way because they could step in at any time any point throughout the case and basically say okay this is a this is a this is a case where we need to step in because this because justice is not being effectuated here and so they would have the authority to do that um and then they'd also be doing like a qualitative and quantitative analysis in the moment like really doing data analysis and making sure that that cases are not deviating like where there's some like, you know, outlier, so they could release that data, be fully transparent and make sure that we are not, you know, enforcing the law unjustly, unfairly, unequally. Well, what do you, uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like when you say the uh, unequally or unfairly, like, so they would take real time data points to a case that's currently underway, because there's always a lot of people who are listening to this who don't know who uh, I have, uh, I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, clearly been arrested in the city of New York many times. Um, but it, 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 a lot of people don't realize this. You go to court about eight times before they ever tell you what is going to happen. Lucky. Yeah. And they just keep bringing you back. So at any given time in there, so essentially what happens is you have a person who keeps missing days of work and then they're basically like plead guilty and we'll let you go. So is that a kind of thing where you would have this unit and they would kind of come in and be like, well, this guy just pled innocent. And now you're fucking ruining his life. Because right. he's fighting a thing that he didn't do, or he or potentially didn't do, and where because basically administrative like bureaucracy kind of holds yep. people up and it forces people to plead guilty when they shouldn't, when they don't believe they should. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and it's so, like I call it the criminal punishment bureaucracy mm -hmm. instead of like criminal justice system. You'll never hear me like justice for who? Yeah, well that's no, well that's it's a, a punishment fair point. Bureaucracy. 
we don't live in a rehabilitative state. I was I was talking about this um, when they they reversed the uh, they made it illegal for for profit prisons federally. I was like, just the fact that it's a debate on for profit prisons just is society acknowledging that we're locking up most people on some bullshit. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's just like the the fact if if we were just locking up the worst people that we were all terrified of, we'd probably be like, ah, whatever for profit for like nobody would care. It's just we are all aware as citizens of the United States that more like the vast majority of people who are in prison are there for some bullshit. But I'd be remiss not to point out that private prisons are, you know, the very lowest of the low hanging fruit. And, you know, it doesn't actually, there's still tons of people profiting off of the incarceration and caging of mostly people of color in this country. Like there's still a prison industrial complex where they're making billions of dollars off of the caging of humans and, and for-profit federal prisons, which doesn't even include the immigration detention, Mm -hmm. et cetera, that that Biden did is it's a great start, but like, Mm -hmm. let's not, let's not overstate what actually needs to happen, which is a full dismantling of this criminal punishment bureaucracy. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, There was a meme that was going around when, uh, California passed recreational marijuana finally, which mm-hmm. I thought was um, they put a lot of people out of business that they shouldn't have because it was it was just a way to get big money into marijuana in California. But that's another that's a that's a whole other thing. But there was this meme going around that said, and it very blatantly said that uh, for profit prisons were the second highest contributor to uh, anti marijuana recreational laws and i would just go do you know who the number one contributor was and everybody goes no and i go uh it was the corrections union of california was the number one let's not sit here and go it's only this there's a whole bunch of people who are like very invested in continuing to lock people up you know absolutely absolutely i was well so the status quo is yeah yeah that's a lot of a lot of people who want to maintain the status quo you know and that's why having someone like me running and I'm running against the establishment. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who are very afraid of that. And they're going to be, you know, out there attacking me in any way they can. I told you I've been attacked twice by the New York post in the last seven days. Like, you know, what if they, just uh, little, little old me, like, you know, saying, saying basically that, that my policies of declining to prosecute low level offenses are going to create. Yeah. I mean, it's just the, the typical fear mongering. Eliza wants to do this as murder rates are rising. Eliza wants to let people out of jail. I mean, it's like, there's no, there's no congruence there. Like it, their arguments make no sense. Mm-hmm. But um, the fact that they're fear mongering about me means like this, they're deeply invested in someone like, me not getting elected. Well, I mean, the New York Post, I, to be fair, they probably sell more papers if you did. You know what I mean? These, these are the people who put, uh, it's front page news when a squeegee man is by the tunnel. You know what I mean? Like every time. Um, right. what, what I wanted to talk about is with the review board. Um, so obviously there's going to be an, an issue initially because prosecutors are going to have their cases overturned and that's going to be a pushback. But does that, does the threat of that just the threat of that existing should, in turn, st- like stem the tide of malicious prosecutions for no reason, right? Well, it it's not just the threat of that because I don't know because since that has never existed, we don't know whether or not that would actually have an impact, like having mm-hmm. that as a deterrent impact. But it's the it's that in combination with all the policies that I will be, you know, enacting as district attorney and saying, hey here are the things that our office is no longer going to do. We're no longer going to prosecute, you know, sex work, decriminal, you know, uh, drug cases, low level misdemeanors, low level felonies, these, these like predatory targeted police initiated 
crimes, you know, the, the, the buy and busts and the operation lucky bag. Um, do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that is. I know what a buy and bust is, but I don't know operation lucky bag in particular. So for anyone who doesn't know, a buy and bust is like, basically they, they send an undercover police officer in and usually they prey on people who are themselves suffering from addiction issues or substance use disorder. And they send an undercover in pretending to basically be dope sick or pretending to be, you know, and, and with fake crusted vomit and they're like, Hey man, please help me out. Help me out. Like I need, I need some. And you know, people are like, I'm not a, I don't sound man. No, like leave me alone. And he's like, please, please, please. You've been here and like prey on their emotions, prey on their, you know, whatever they hand over one pill of their own Xanax, one little part of their own stash, you know, some Mm -hmm. of their own methadone. And then before they know it, boom, an entire narcotics team descends on them, arrests them for a felony sale to an undercover police officer. And now they're facing years in state prison for that conduct. So it's absolutely inhumane. It's it's wrong. Those cases should not exist. And I've you know represented far too many people who've been targeted by the police in that way. And I will not prosecute those cases. Um, for Operation Lucky Bag, it's what the the police have have dubbed it. Operation Lucky Bag is they basically um, set people up. Uh, they'll 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 set up like a bag. That's why they call it Lucky Bag. You know, on a bench in the subway station, you know, oh, with like I an iPad sticking yeah. out of it, with a hundred dollar bill sticking out of it, and the, someone will go over and maybe they open it and they're like, "Oh, this has no ID." They'll look around. Is this anybody's? Nobody says anything. They're like, "Cool. Well, I found a bag with a hundred bucks in it, or I found a bag with an iPad in it," and they go to walk away, and then boom, arrested for stealing. Now, how did they get a? I, this is something. I was actually, I was in Central Bookings once with a guy, and I did believe him, even though it was a crazy far-fetched story, and I'm curious if this ever happens. He goes, he had just gotten out of prison, and he goes, I'm going back, man. He just starts talking to me, and he goes, he goes, I was walking on the beach. He's like, first of all, they filled up the boardwalk, and he's from Coney Island. He's like, they filled up the boardwalk, man. They got, it's like Baywatch out there with the ATVs. He's like, I'm walking, and I just see a bag. And he goes, I look down and it's just filled with crack vials. And I was like, you found a bag filled with crack vials on the beach? He was, I was like, it's not unheard of in Coney Island. And like, he goes, he goes, yeah, I figure I'll just give that to my cousin. It's a quick couple bucks. He's like, as soon as I hit the boardwalk, they lock me up. I was like, that is that a thing that they're doing? They're leaving large quantities of drugs out to arrest people? I wouldn't put it past them. So wouldn't put I, it past them. I remember the thing in the subway. It got a lot of attention. Did they... That got, they're not allowed to do that anymore, correct? So theoretically, they're not doing Lucky Bag anymore, but they're still doing it. They're doing it with bicycles. They'll leave like a bicycle unchained on the sidewalk mm. um, and someone will come up and be like, oh my God, there's just a bike sitting here. It's like not locked up and they'll take it and they're like, well, you knew that wasn't your bike and they'll charge them with stealing the bike. Um, they'll do it with other stuff. Like it's still happening. Mm. Um, and these like, these are like, it's truly predatory the way that they do it. And it's just you know, something that I, I will not prosecute. Um, but I think that's something where they'll, they'll use these types of things to fear monger and say that I'm a person who is going to, you know, allow the city to become crime ridden or whatever they're mm-hmm. going to say. But it's just, it, it's such a, it's such a deep misunderstanding of, you know, what is actually happening. Like, you know, we're, we're sold this like false choice between public safety and incarceration or public safety and like a punitive legal system. And the truth is that locking people up is not keeping us safe. 
And it's just like, people think that we're going to like be able to incarcerate our way out of these public health problems or out of these, these issues that people are having. And it's just not true. And I think, you know, there are a lot of people invested in maintaining the status quo, but I'm, you know, really fighting to upend it because I think that there are such better ways of doing things. You know, if we do things to address someone's substance use disorder, someone's mental health issue or poverty or, you know, so many other things, so many other ways of addressing things. And meanwhile, allowing people to remain in their homes, allowing them to remain with their families, to go to their jobs, to put food on the table and not just like cycling them through a system that that subjects them to, you know, violence and, and trauma anyhow, then in fact, crime rates go down. Like that's what we mm-hmm. see across the board. And so it's just, you know, I think it's just misplaced fear mongering like uh, frequently. Um, but I think, you know, we're still fighting to overcome that because of, of this, this system that we've been sold for so long. But the largest experiment has been Portugal, right? And they saw a decrease in violent crime across the board once they decriminalized drugs, right? Exactly. And I think, I mean, I can't imagine we wouldn't see that in New York. And just in general, it seems to me that like one of the biggest problems New York has right now is just an overwhelming number of stops of young men by the police, which consistently leads to problems and PR problems for the same police. If we just eliminate the reasoning for those stops, then like I, very few people who were on, I, I mean, like it's, it's crazy to think that street crime is down because of aggressive policing at a, at a time where like, uh, you know, for the most part, the city is just more prosperous financially. But it, on top of that, there's no money in mugging someone anymore. No one carries right. money. What are we doing? Like, it's like, like it's just it's just a bizarre it's a bizarre thought. But I want to talk to you about you. You mentioned the the national platform. I didn't want to talk about it up top, but it is you have a a celebrity because I <laughs> I, I don't watch Survivor, but you were on two seasons of Survivor, right? That is true. That's true. Um, you yeah. Uh, I saw. I did watch the clip about the fucking stick earlier this morning because I like I I, I had to look it up. Um, but. Do you worry in New York politics, there's always this thing. I remember my, I watched uh, 1776, you know, the musical. I watched mm-hmm. that with my grandmother when I was a kid. And, you know, there's the whole thing about the New York State Assembly and how just a mess New York politics was even then. And it's, do you worry about, I saw what happened with Cynthia Nixon, just the way there's like jaded New Yorkers when you have that, like, is do you find it to be a plus or a minus in, in which ways? The, the added celebrity of being on these shows, it gives you a national platform. It gives you, you know, you have more of a voice in the beginning, but does it make you kind of an easy target for mudslinging? Um, you know, I think that I went on reality television when I was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. I went on a competition show. It's certainly not who I am as a person, but I mean, I've spent far more time, you know, in the courtroom in front of judges, you know, arguing on behalf of clients, fighting against injustice than I ever have in front of a camera. But it has, yeah, it has enabled me to have a national platform. And I've always used it to speak out against injustice, to advocate for reform, to, to fight, you know, back um, against these, you know, these, these forces that want to really perpetuate these horrific systems. Um, and so I think that if anything, it's, you know, and it's an interesting kind of hook 
And then we get people in to pay attention to what I'm actually saying. And then they're like, oh, wow. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Like, because my experience really speaks for itself. Like the, the fact that I've spent my entire career as a public defender, you know, represented thousands of people charged with crimes, really been up close and personal in the trenches fighting every day of my career. Like that's what matters, you know? And that's, um, if, if the fact that I was on, you know, survivor yeah. in, in 2004, like ago, gets yeah. people to, to, to look, to, to give our campaign a second look, like I'm glad for that. Mm-hmm. Well, cause yeah, you, you did that while you were in college, right? Yeah. So if anything, that should, like you did the survivor and then the next year you graduated. I just, I looked at, and it was just like, if anything, that should add, like you, if you can do that and graduate college in the same year, it probably shows that you can handle, you can multitask. At the very least. Exactly. And like, you know, the thing that I say, the way that it prepared me for politics is I've had people writing nasty things about me on the internet for, you know, over a decade and a half. And so now all the people attacking me, I'm like, bring it on. I'm ready. I can handle it. The post has nothing against some survivor message board from 15 years ago. No kidding. No kidding. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I know. I've had it too. Believe me. We, we all get stuff on the internet. My producer's nodding in the other room because people say things about him. He's never on camera. Like it's just, it's gonna happen. Exactly. Um, there's here's uh, I know you know I don't want to take up too much of your day, but elizaorlins dot com at Eliza Orleans on Twitter. Now I want to tell you I actually am an elected official in New York. I'm a county committeeman for Kings County. Um, Amazing. For about six months, uh, I still don't know what we're supposed to do. I sat through two 13 hour Zoom meetings. I don't know if you've seen any of that online. Um, do yep. you know what a county committeeman does? Because nobody can tell me. Nobody's yeah, told so, me. So somebody was actually saying, they were like, Eliza, you should run for county committee. And I was like, well, I'm kind of already running for something. You yeah, know, like way, I'm a little it's busy. A, it's a way days. bigger deal. <laughs> um, but, but the, you know, county committee in, especially in, in Manhattan could end up if some of these elections go through, you know, could end up being the deciding factor on, on who replaces some of these sitting elected officials who are running for oh. other positions. So that's kind of a big deal. Like it's, it, you know, it's not like they would have, if you're within one year of your election, you're, you're, you know, they don't do a special election and instead they have county committee make that decision. So mm. um, county committee could end up playing a huge role in New York city electoral politics in the next, um, you know, six, eight months, whatever it is. Oh, okay. Look, we finally yeah. found out, Frank. We finally found out what I was... I don't know if you... Did you see any of the news about um, what actually happened in the Kings County Committee meeting? They had to bring in a professional I heard it was... Yeah, I heard it was absolutely wild. Went to my high school, Brooklyn Tech. Uh, Rob Robinson was the guy's name. They're calling him a white supremacist in the, in the Zoom chat. And then all of oh a sudden, God. he turns the camera on. And this was like... Looked like he could easily be standing next to Malcolm X in the 60s guy. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. It was just it was insane what was happening in this meeting. That's why I literally was like I was excited. I was like, I'm going to learn some stuff. This is going to be great. And then it was just people calling a black man a white supremacist. And I was like, what is going on? And I like asked the lady who got me into it. I was like, why are they doing this? She was like, I don't know. I don't know. So I don't envy you doing something way harder in New York politics. Oh, my gosh. Well, listen, yeah, I, Kings County's got got its own issues, but you yeah. know, thankfully, we're over here in New York County. It's uh, it's maybe, a little more, maybe it's slightly a, different, a little more subdued. Yeah. Do you think you have an easier time? It's a weird thing. So Manhattan is a is large. I mean, in Manhattan right now, but it's it is kind of weirdly cleared out of, of a lot of people. Like, is it is that 
Is that a is that a benefit or a hurdle if you're running an election? The fact that just the population seems to be down right now. Um, it's you know it could be either. Uh, you know we expect that turnout for the June primary will be potentially high because we're going to be deciding the next mayor, the next mm-hmm. borough president, the next district attorney. There are you know 35 of the 51 city council seats up for election. Um, there's so many people on the ballot. And so I think that people will be engaged and, and turn out. But again, as you say, there are, there are people who may not be in the city. We just need to find and identify and turn out our voters no matter where they are. So mm. it doesn't, it's not necessarily good or bad. It just um, could change the change the way in which the race turns out. Because it, it could seems, be like, it, it could like be a, a small number you, of votes. Well, it could be, but it seems yeah, like I mean, a benefit it, for you because your platform the people who left aren't from here, right? We can all like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, right. but so it's like your platform is for the people who grew up here, who want to see that sort of change. These communities who are kind of like affected by gentrification because all this aggressive policing and stuff like this. I mean, I saw it ramp up when I was in my early twenties. Um, right. Just as a, you know, people talk about the stop. I, I was stopping for us so many times when I was yeah. you know nineteen to twenty two, and it's just like. You, you think it's not like a big deal, but it's like at the same time, it's like people are just walking by and there's cops with you against a wall. It's like, even if you haven't done anything, you know, if, if that guy knows your dad, he's gonna be like, hey, I saw your son getting searched by the police. You know, it's right. always, it, it's always, it, it's kind of a weird dehumanizing issue. But it's like, so of like, course. but these policies are for the native New Yorkers and you're from, exactly. New, you're born and raised in New York. Yeah. Born and raised. Yep. Yeah. So in Manhattan. That's what I'm saying is like, so it's like, it, if, if that's who you're speaking to, it, it seems like it could be an advantage, no? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think we, what we're seeing is that like our message is resonating with with people who live in Manhattan, with people who are here, with people who've stuck it out, with people who care deeply about this city. And this is where I'm from and where I'll be forever. Like this is, you know, it's New York or nowhere for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I think like it really does. It's the New Yorkers care about these things and, and they're going to stick around and they're going to turn out. They're going to show up and vote for us on June 22nd. June 22nd is when the vote is. ElizaOrleans.com for the entire platform. I think everybody should at Eliza Orleans. Uh, is there anything else you need to get out there? You know, this. the crazy thing about our race is that the maximum donation, this is another way in which they really want to maintain the status quo. The maximum donation per individual donor in our race is over $35,000. Per person, mm. like if you'd want to give to Joe Biden the primary, you could give him twenty eight hundred dollars. This is more than ten times that. Wow. So there are, you know, millionaires, billionaires, Trump donors, like people, cruise donors who are giving to my opponents, who are who are trying to keep someone in the Manhattan DA's office who's not going to bring the kind of radical change that I'm looking to bring. Uh, and meanwhile, we are doing this on. Like we're running the only grassroots campaign for Manhattan District Attorney. Like we've got people who are monthly donors of a dollar, you know, who've given mm-hmm. $5, $25, $50. We have more donations by thousands and thousands than anyone else in the race. We have over 7,300 individual donations. Like we're doing this with like truly we're the people powered campaign. And so if you're able and you can go to the website, ElizaOrleans.com and donate, that would be amazing. We would be so grateful because we need, we need to have all the people on our side because we're going up against the establishment. Okay. Well then obviously give it a help. I mean, look, you've got, uh, you got good people on your side. Ginger Banks is good people as far as I'm concerned. Truly. Always. Uh, she's been here in this studio with us 
multiple times. Uh, I want to ask you one last thing. Uh, I am putting together a board of directors. Uh, I would like to apply to get a dispensary license at some point. Uh, it's all black entrepreneurs in New York and me. Uh, would you back me up if you become DA? <laughs> I don't know that I have that power, but sure, of course. I think, you know, I hope that that's something that's, that we're going to be able to, you know, be giving licenses, especially to black entrepreneurs, you know, especially mm -hmm. to people who've been most affected by, by this, you know, really racist war on drugs. Um, and I think we're fingers crossed looking good for, for legalization in this potentially this legislative period. I think, I mean, I think it's a good thing. It, it seems like they're going to try, it's the same bill as last year that they're trying to pass in New York state. Right. But it's, uh, it's not going to be attached to the budget the way it was last year. I think that's how right, they're doing it. I think it. so. I think that's what's going to be. All right. So you heard it here, Frank. We're going to get into the Green Revolution. We're going to get Paper Face, all the boys from Brooklyn, and we're going to get into Green Revolution. We're going to crush it with Eliza Orleans. Go to ElizaOrleans.com. Check out the platform. If you could donate, that'd be great. Add Eliza Orleans on Twitter. She's a great follow. Uh, thank you so much for doing the interview. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you. It's so great to be here. This is so much fun. Thanks for having me. Well, show me the way to the next whiskey bar.
say good.